Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Monday evening. It is Monday, right? I have completely lost track of time and understanding. If you got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville, at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on our live simulcast, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, along with um, YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, we are there. You can also message us through the uh, Facebooks as well. We'll do our best to try and keep track of maybe just some general questions that come in. Thanks to our partners at D3Hoops.com, Sport Tours International, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, and, of course, Huddle Blue Frame Technology for their assistance in helping us. Forgive the voice. Got the deep uh, baritone going tonight. Uh, thanks to a trip out to Arizona and back for meetings with another gig. If you all know, I do work with Major League Baseball during the offseason, or which uh, maybe I do this during the offseason. I'm not really sure. It gets a little confusing. Anyway, long story short, travel beat me up a little bit. But we are back. We're here. I'm on fumes. But we've got lots to talk about. Let's talk first and foremost about what we're going to have on the show tonight. We will have Catholic uh, men's basketball. Aaron Kelly will join us. Christopher Newport, men's basketball. John Krikorian, love my son. He put the sign together. We didn't have enough room on Christopher Newport to put their number three ranking. Number 15 now, Ithaca. You have not seen the top 25, but I can tell you Ithaca is 15 in the top 25 for the D3Hoops.com. They will be on the women's side. Dan Raymond will join us. And then we'll get two double takes, the women's and men's. On the women's side, Scott Peterson and Riley Zayas will join us. On the men's side, Bob Quill and Ryan Snyder and uh, Mike Raniak, uh, Matt Snyder and um, Mike Raniak will join us with their double takes. It'll be our last double takes of the season, essentially. We will certainly talk about the top 25s at the end of the season when we have our final polls, but we, I don't know if we'll do a double take necessarily on them. So we got those gentlemen coming on and talk men and women's double takes. And if you're noticed, we don't do women on Mondays all that often. That means Thursday we will free things up for a lot of guest interviews because we are in the final week of the regular season. There are conference tournaments that have already started. We even have our first automatic qualifier. Congratulations to Case Western Reserve men's basketball. Todd McGinnis's team is the first to clinch a bid to the 2020, 2023 NCAA tournaments. First automatic bid conference title uh, to the Spartans of Case Western Reserve. Congratulations to them. But there are others who are rolling along as well. So uh, lots to talk about. So Thursday, we're going to keep that show a little bit fluid to be able to get in some segments. We've already booked some, and we'll book more as we get further along. But we'll keep the top 25 out of that. A reminder, a week from today, we will be talking about the brackets. Who got in? Who didn't miss out? What kind of setup did we have? All of that. That's coming up a week from tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Thursday show will be 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Don't forget, on Sunday, we will have our special selections, uh, Selection Sunday special, where we'll do mock selections of how we see the NCAA tournament committees likely selecting the at-large teams for men's and women's basketball bracketing a mock bracket will be done behind the scenes by the d3 hoops guys based on those decisions our show is likely to start about 6 p.m eastern we will hear from both committee chairs during that broadcast as well as we get ready to do our mock selections and etc etc so stay with us on twitter 
Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter and Instagram are at D3Hoopsville. Facebook is facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways you can interact with us. We certainly hope you'll take advantage of that. Stay with us on top of everything. There's a lot going on in Division Three, And hey, Blazer Bobcat for tuning in. One of the things that caught my attention, even though I was busy out in Arizona, took up a little bit of my meal time with my colleagues, I'll freely admit, uh, took up my time on Saturday, took up my time on Sunday, and it's taking up my time today. Uh, it's an unfortunate situation between Farmingdale State and Yeshiva men's basketball. They were to play at 8.30 on Saturday. I'm going to go read my tweets just so you understand what I reported on Saturday night, and then we'll go through some of the uh, uh, changes or uh, uh, updates, I should say, updates to that information. So first and foremost, Yeshiva at Farmingdale State men's basketball game was called due to apparently a disagreement between the schools about warm-up time. Sources tell me there was an agreement to be 60 minutes for a warm-up. Pre-game clock wouldn't start until YU stepped on the court. Sources say 60-minute pre-game clock had started before Yeshiva got on the court. YU asked for time to be reset. That request was apparently denied by Farmingdale, but unsure who specifically. Again, I'm re- reading my report from Saturday night. YU had left campus once Sabbath had ended. I do want to clarify they were not on campus. I'll get more to that in a moment. So warm-up time was important to them to be prepared for the game. It's not clear if YU actually forfeited. A forfeit doesn't occur in NCAA rules unless refs have taken a court. We'll update that in a moment. It doesn't seem they had... It could be a forfeit for conference reasons. The athletics director for Yeshiva, Greg Fox, then had a statement later that night saying, it is sad for me to report that we chose to cancel tonight's men's basketball game between Farmingdale State College. Um, When we arrived at the game as soon as possible after uh, Shabbat, we were not provided with sufficient time to warm up. In the interest of safety, we could not allow our student-athletes to proceed. Farmingdale had made a prior commitment to provide adequate warm-up time this was not honored um a couple updates to that first and foremost again yeshiva did not actually come from their campus they actually made an effort to be located on long island most likely uh, i believe at some of the homes i never got that clarified i don't think they were at a hotel um and came together and got and, and drove to the campus so they could get to that 8 30 time from what i understand they arrived on campus about 7 40 that's what i've been i've been led to believe so they were on campus at about 7.40. Um, now, I'm under the impression, and, I, and I've heard this from a few different places, and I can't really nail it down, that there may be an un- misunderstanding on some of the other timings that go involved, not just the 60-minute clock. But long story short, from what I'm under impression is Yeshiva noticed that the clock had already started or was set under 60 minutes. I'm told it was running. Uh, asked for it to be reset to 60 minutes. Farmingdale State did not accommodate that request. That's what I'm under the impression. I want you to understand, I have had conversations both on the record and off the record with a number of sources in a number of different positions in, in, in all sides of this to try and nail it down. I am not having a guest on tonight's show because we're not going to go that much further than when I'm done with my coverage on it. Um Because I think to some degree, this is a a huge either misunderstanding or an unnecessary drama. Um, Yeshiva was very upset about the clock. They decided at some point that they were not going to play because the clock would not be reset. They did not have their players officially come out onto the floor. It was senior night at Farmingdale State. They honored their seniors and then moments later announced that the game was canceled. Now, 
moments before we hit the air. We got a statement from Farmingdale State that we will only be reading on the broadcast. We will not be sharing it in any other context. So listen carefully. We do not have a full screen because, as I mentioned, it just came to us moments before the broadcast. Here it is in its entirety. The men's basketball game between Farmingdale State College and Yeshiva University did not take place as scheduled on Saturday. Game officials declared a forfeiture when Yeshiva declined to take to the floor after their arrival at Farmingdale. Again, this is from Farmingdale. The game was to start at 8.30 p.m. per a written memorandum of agreement entered into by Farmingdale and Yeshiva in August 2022. YU was offered 60 minutes on the court to warm up after their arrival. This exceeds the amount of warm-up time required by Skyline Conference rules. The time allotted to YU would have allowed the game to start between 9 and 9.10 p.m. Farmingdale was prepared to accommodate a late start. It is unfortunate the players from both institutions were not able to compete in an important Skyline Conference game. The presidents from FSC and YU conversed today, I being Monday. Neither sees a need to address this further. We appreciate the patience and goodwill exhibited by many enthusiastic spectators for both YU and Farmingdale. A couple of notes there. It says that game officials declared the forfeiture. I think there's a little bit of a miscommunication there, a misunderstanding. I have also been told that uh, Yeshiva said that they would not participate and would forfeit the game. It has gone in as a forfeiture to uh, Yeshiva, but under NCA rule, and this is where I, I, I've even had to be clarified, uh, per a conversation I had uh, just sh- before the show, it sounds like the NCAA doesn't view any game that did not take place other than a no contest, even if officials have taken the floor. I was under the impression that once officials are on the floor, that a forfeiture of an actual win-loss impact uh, is granted. Now, at one point, I am told officials were on the floor and asked Yeshiva if they were forfeiting, and they said yes. I'm also told that Yeshiva had already made that decision well before the officials had taken to the floor. So it might be... Potato, potato. To be honest, I'm under the. I am now under the impression that it did not matter. That game did not get played. It's a forfeiture for conference reasons only. It does not go down as a win. It does not go down as a loss for either team's overall record. It only goes down is a forfeiture for the conference to figure out seedings. As a result, the game had a lot on the line. If Yeshiva had won that game, they would have been the number one seed in the tournament that is starting on Tuesday. Farmingdale State ended up being the number one. One other caveat to this. A lot of people have said that this game was originally scheduled for Sunday. That is, in fact, not true. I have confirmed that from multiple sources. This game was originally scheduled for this Saturday. It was originally scheduled for that time. It has been scheduled that way for two years now. They are on the second, uh, they're on the back end of a two year cycle in the Skyline Conference. Everyone knew what the time of this game was and the date it was scheduled for Saturday. They do not move it like they have for Yeshiva to Sundays on this particular weekend because the conference tournament starts on Tuesday. So the game was not going to be moved to Sunday. I understand in the last 10 days or so, things kind of escalated a little bit as Yeshiva was trying to make uh, arrangements. Understanding uh, the Sabbath, you have to understand If you are not familiar with Yeshiva, and we have covered it on this show many a time, they do not do anything from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday in the Orthodox Jewish faith. Nothing. Sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. They retreat on on sundown Friday. They've already eaten. They basically 
I don't want to say seclude themselves, but they are to themselves for that entire 24-hour process. Once the sun has set on Saturday, they can then go and do something. For those of you wondering why they wanted a 60-minute warm-up clock, a lot of teams in college basketball will do a walkthrough, they'll warm up, they will do other things during the day ahead of their game. Yes, doubleheaders have shorter warm-up clocks, but teams are warming up somewhere else or at least getting loose. Yeshiva did not have that option. I'm not defending anything here. I'm trying to explain to you why the 60-minute clock was important. Now, I've heard some other things that I cannot go on the record with. I cannot share with you, but I can. I have gotten a sense from multiple sources that emotions were high, tensions were high, and maybe some things were said that shouldn't have been said, and some things were expected that shouldn't have been expected. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to use a, a rather cr- uh, crash statement here. This feels to me like it turned into a pissing match. There is a history between these two schools. Farmingdale State and their coaching staff is the school that we are under the impression was responsible for the entire drama when Yeshiva first made the NCAA tournaments all those years ago when they had a player that, according to others, using an individual who was no longer at the school, no longer in the Skyline Conference, to try and express to the media, badger us to some degree, that they had an illegal player and thus Yeshiva should basically be disqualified and Farmingdale State should get into the NCAA tournament. There is that history. Whether that played a role here, I don't know. But these two sides do seem to have some tension, whether it's justified, unjustified. In my opinion, no tension is justified or anything along the way. So I do think there was something underneath that was simmering a little bit. And instead of being, hey, it's 58 minutes, we'll deal with that, we're okay with that. Or instead of going, yeah, no problem, we'll, we'll add another minute and a half. And I'm making up times here based on no information that those instead of solving that, it turned into a drama. It turned into a yelling match. It turned into not solving the problem and then not thinking of the student athletes first and foremost, not thinking of the seniors, not thinking of either team who wants to play that game, not thinking of the players. Yes, Yeshiva will claim they they were thinking about the health of their players. I understand that, but we weren't thinking about the players themselves. And it's an unfortunate situation. It resulted in a lot of drama on Saturday. It turned into a lot of rumors on Saturday. It also turned into a little bit of this is an anti-Semitic scenario going on against us at Yeshiva. And I understand the reaction and I understand the gut impulse. We have talked about that on this show. We have talked about there's no place for that in college basketball, let alone Division Three. But I'll be honest with you, in all of my coverage of this that I did out in Arizona, while stepping away from work colleagues to do it, I may add, while waiting in airports and while dealing with it today up until showtime, I have no sense whatsoever that this was simply a misunderstanding, a miscommunication, or to some degree, a drama that didn't need to happen. This has nothing to do with anything else. We're going to move on from there. I may answer questions if you have any later, but understand, this happened. It is unfortunate. I think things happen that both sides may not be all that thrilled with in the, in, in, the, uh, in the long term. The presidents have decided to move on. The conference has decided to move on. We will now move on. And I hope you understand that. I hope that helps you understand the dynamics that were going on on Saturday. And I hope you also understand that it wasn't as cut and dry as everyone wanted to make it out to be. I think there was more at, at play more misunderstanding, etc.
and we'll move on from there. Thank you for your uh, time, and I hope I helped you understand the dynamics that were in play. Um, person on Twitter says it's a religious thing, dude. They can't travel till. Uh, oh, that's somebody who's responding to somebody else, not me. I apologize. Yes, it is a religious thing for yeshiva. They can't travel till after the sunset. That's, I think, the background for why it was being played late, the background why the 60 minute clock was being put on. But understand, everybody, the religious thing I don't think was anything more than that. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will switch shift gears and shift gears quickly. We will talk to a Catholic institution. Talk about a pivot, right? We'll head down to Catholic University of America. Aaron Kelly's got a pretty good squad in the Landmark Conference who's trying to wrap up the automatic bid and make the NCAA tournament this week. We'll talk to Aaron about his Cardinals of Catholic coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks also to our partners at Sport Tours International. Your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer. At every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To to stop stop sexual sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. You see the tote board for our uh, campaign. I need to update that. It has taken a significant increase since our show on Thursday. I want to thank everybody for that. Part of the lack of time that I had between um, 
uh, this weekend after our big top 16 store, uh, sh- uh, show, which we'll talk more about later in the broadcast. Uh, and getting back today was I-, I knew the total, but then I lost it. So I'm going to update that while we're talking to Aaron Kelly here coming up. But if you want to donate to our cause, um, oh, it's not on the screen. I apologize. We'll put it up on the screen. There is a QR code that you can uh, use there. Scre- screenshot that. Use that QR code to go to Give Butter to donate to our broadcasting efforts. You can also go to Venmo. Uh, Venmo slash Dave McHugh. You can do that as well. We've tweeted out this information. It's all out there. Uh, certainly hope you appreciate it. All those who ended up uh, buying some merchandise, thank you. I don't know what the sales were. They were a little bit low going into the weekend. We didn't do a great enough job pushing, but I hope you uh, got a chance to get some merchandise for the NCAA tournament. All right, so we're going to start talking to our, our guests here. Uh, again, if you have questions about the Yeshiva Farmingdale State thing, we can certainly dive into it. But uh, we have said pretty much what we said. We have released our statement for Farmingdale. We'll try and answer some questions later if we can. I do know that uh, one individual has asked some questions. We'll try and get to you as soon as we can. But I want to talk about Catholic. Even though Catholic's in my conference and it's my uh, school's rival, even though my school hasn't been able to knock off my rival in quite some time, but it's a minor detail in the grand scheme of things, right? Um, But they are still having a pretty good season. Got to see them uh, a short time ago. Uh, and I thought pretty highly of them, but they've had a, a couple of trips and falls. One of them uh, to, to Susquehanna twice. Frank Marcinic's got a really good team. FYI, watch for Susquehanna in the next couple of week, or a couple of seasons. They are a very good unit. Uh, but in the meantime, I am quite sure Aaron Kelly doesn't give a darn because they also lost to Juniata, and he's wishing to some degree that that could be resolved as well. Joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline is the aforementioned Aaron Kelly, who I saw laughing at me at least. I appreciate you have a sense of humor about it, Aaron. Uh, three losses all in conference. Susquehanna nailed you twice. Uh, Juniata got you once. I'm going to go out on a limb. All right, Frank Marcinic tripped you up twice. He's got a unit that's actually, in my opinion, very similar to yours. So yep. I can see why that happened. I yep. bet you're a little ticked off, though, that that Greg got you at Juniata. Yeah, I'm, I'm ticked off at all of them. Um, <laughs> okay, fair, but, fair. Uh, <laughs> you know, both of those teams, uh, like, good players and very well coached. Um, and they just – they make it – they make it really hard. They make it a grind. And if you – if you don't come to play and if you're not making shots, uh, especially when you're on the road, when and, and Juniata was on the road and it's a, it's a really tough place to play, they're going to get you. You know, so I, I was disappointed that we lost. Was I surprised? Like, not really. You know, being in the league now for four years, you just know when you go to those places, like it, the, the records are what they are. But like, if you get out of there with a win, you, you feel good about that. Yeah, I was going to say, listen, on the road, there's only a couple of road places I would say you should be winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juniata is a is a tough little trip uh, yeah, for starters, and and then they've got a a, a heck of a of an arena to try mm-hmm. and play in. But more importantly, Susquehanna, yeah, Frank Barcinic's tough. He's got. And again, I saw them after I saw you, and I thought to myself, "Geez, they're built a lot like you. You, mm-hmm. you guys have this unit that. And correct me if I'm wrong. You don't have a ton of size." But yep. you got some good size. There's no five, yep. but you got a couple of fours yep. who can also step outside. And you've got some really strong, really athletic guards, and you're deep in all of those positions. Yeah. So while you don't have a ton of size that's going to blow anybody away, you're kind of a, a grinded out team who's willing to change gears and go up tempo. Is that yes. fair? Is that a good assessment? It's it, it's a hundred percent. I mean, we in our starting lineup, we don't have a true forward. Um, okay. So, uh, we, you know, we try to play with some good pace. Uh, we, we try to space teams out. Um, 
but we also don't want to just be identified as, you know, like a, a good offensive team who only thinks about offense and is only going to try to outscore teams. Um, so we, you know, we're always still trying to be rooted on the defensive end of the floor, um, just being a physical defensive team, even though at times we're, we're undersized. Um, I do think that our kids are tough. I think they're pretty resilient. I think they're pretty physical. Um, but uh, we, we kind of do it collectively you know and it's like you know on the glass like we don't have a true five but you know we're i don't know plus four plus five on the glass because we we practice box outs a lot and and we try to gang rebound the ball um so like you you had mentioned we don't have positional size at the five but we do have good length across the board and i think at times that kind of makes up for for the lack of height that we might have at that forward spot it was interesting because you talk about not a, a true forward. Uh, Goucher doesn't have a true forward. And I only bring them up because I've seen them a ton this year. They've got one, maybe two guys that are bigger, certainly, and play can play that forward, but they don't rely on them. They play a guard-heavy unit. You're bigger than them, though. So I'm mm-hmm. surprised you say you don't have a true forward because you guys, you got some guys inside who I I would absolutely peg as fours. What what am I? What is it? difference in your mind on what we're seeing then well i guess i guess what i'm thinking more of is like we don't we don't throw the ball into the post a ton um we don't have like a real true back to the basket five um and i think with like you know a lot of the better teams in our league you look at scranton uh you look at juniata uh susquehanna's got a, a couple of young ones like they they play through the post quite a bit um we definitely do less of that. And and with our forwards, oftentimes they're out on the perimeter facilitating offense, um, picking and popping, setting ball screens, passing. Um, so we don't, you know, the way that we get the ball into the paint is, to, is typically to, to, to space people and to drive it. And, and we have a number of good three-point shooters on the team. So typically we can open up the paint in that way. Um, but we're not going to be a team that, you know, throws the ball into the post 20 times a game and and, okay. and, and gets our gets our paint touches that way. Okay, I, I see what you're saying then, sure. And, and really, in a lot of sense, in Division Three. That's kind of where the game has evolved. I don't want to go in Division One and Two because I'm, I'm not sitting there breaking down those kinds of games. I'm looking yep. at D3 games, certainly. Yep. We'll still see the big guys inside and having a presence, but Swarthmore had big guys. They, It wasn't like, hey, let's throw it in there and see what happens from there. That's right. where this game's evolved, hasn't it, Aaron? We, without a doubt. I mean, if you if you look at the analytics, you know, it's um, the, the three-point shot is typically the most efficient one that you can take. Um, you, you, you don't, you want to have different ways that you can score. Like we try to score a lot at the rim and we try to score a lot from three and we try try to, you know, score minimally from, from the mid range. Cause that tends to be the most, the most inefficient shot. But if we are playing well, we are typically shooting a lot of threes, you know, and, and yeah. conversely, we're, we're making a handful of them. But, um, if we shoot a lot of threes, we, we typically have a, a good offensive night. Yeah, and again, that's where the game has also evolved. Uh, let's talk about the season a little bit. We talked about those losses. The Susquehanna loss, the first one at home, didn't come until January 13th. That was your first loss of the season. Yeah. Um, your schedule had some teams I think are usually good. They're maybe not having great seasons, but you had a big win over Mary Washington, and you and you absolutely dominated Sus- uh, Scranton in the two games leading into that Susquehanna game. For the record, you went then and spanked my Gophers. Um, 
right after that Susquehanna game. Thanks, Aaron. At the Palestra. You could have made it a nice experience for him, but whatever. Uh, I I digress. Is there a chance that first Susquehanna game was a little bit, and I I, I ask this seriously, you're in a grind of two huge games prior to that in Mary Washington and Scranton, and you're coming up on the Palestra game. Is there a chance that everyone's kind of like, huh, what? And, and, and maybe not fully in gear on that Susquehanna game because that's that's how it read to me. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, I think that the you know the our strength of schedule in our non conference was not that strong. And I think what you had mentioned, we we've played some really good schools who maybe didn't have as good of a year as they they thought we were gonna yeah. or thought they thought they were gonna have. Um, and then we had some games in our schedule that they just weren't that they weren't that strong. Um, but. Uh, you know, I think that our guys felt a need to to prove something against Mary Washington on the road. And at the time, I think that they were in the top 25. So I think they were juiced up for yeah. that game. And then Scranton was was another one who they were had. They, they played a very strong non-conference schedule and they did well. And that's a rivalry game for us. So I think it was back to back games that took a lot of emotional energy out of our guys. Um and then to be honest, like we that Susquehanna game, I think the 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 score to start the game was like it was like eleven to nothing or something Catholic, um, and they they switched over to zone, which Frank does like a very good job of like just switching up his defenses and and throwing a lot of different things at you, and we started to miss consecutive shots, and I think that the 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 totality of the the season and the pressure in that moment had started to get to us because like i think you what were we like 14 and 0 or something at that point and this was the first time during the season where things weren't going our way and miss shot after miss shot after miss shot and then that kind of zapped our focus our defensive focus our toughness and then in the second half like the wheels came off and and the, the susquehanna is good and at the time they were a lot better than their record because it, we played a oh great, yeah. You know, we played a, a, a weak strength of schedule. Theirs was one of the best in the country. So we may yeah. have been fourteen and zero, and they were probably I don't know what they were at the time, but like our records would suggest that we should have won that game. But if you took a deep dive into their strength of schedule, they were prepped to play that Catholic game. They, Frank had tested those guys really yeah. early, and it's starting to pay dividends for them now because they're they're you know they're they're playing really well right now. I think they're going to be your toughest out coming up. But not, that's nothing against Scranton. That's nothing against anybody else. If you're facing off against Susquehanna, they know they can beat you twice. Mm-hmm. And to some degree, Aaron, you got a lot riding on this because of you know three losses now, two-game losing streak in the middle there that you've at least stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're sitting sixth in the regional rankings. Yep. I mean, the quick gut instinct is you need the AQ. Yeah, that's that's probably accurate. Um, and I, I, you know, honestly, I think um, it it's it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but I think that the losses, you know, took a little pressure off of our guys. You know, I think that we had become, you know, going into that second Susquehanna game, you're 21 and one. Uh, the wins, you know, weren't as enjoyable as they were earlier in the year. And I think that guys started to feel the expectation that we should win. Um, and it wasn't as fun. And 
those those back-to-back losses they i think they freed our guys up they freed me up a little bit to just go back to hey you don't have to try to win every one and if you do win you should celebrate it and enjoy it uh and i thought the last game of the season it you know we played drew at home who i i also think is is really good and really tough and been better than their record um we we had a little bit of that 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 swagger back that joy back and and not feeling like we had to win the game um and i ultimately i think it helped us play well uh again though in that scenario it despite such a great season and only three losses you pick up a fourth you're probably on the outside looking in yeah come next monday there is a little pressure there i'm assuming i mean yeah if you allow it um fair uh, we're 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 trying i mean i i would i would be shocked if we were in an at-large team with another loss so i think we're all well aware of that but i think we're just going to try to go play this next game and play well and if we don't win it you know then we're then we're probably not an ncaa tournament team and and that's okay it's not going to define the the season that we have i think no matter how this season ends i'll at least i'll view it as is a successful season and one that we continue to kind of build in the right direction. And, you know, we obviously want to win the conference tournament, but it's not going to define, you know, whether it's a successful season for us or not. And not to look ahead, this team really, in some ways, still building to next season. You've got two yeah. seniors on this team, uh, and Pat Buckley and Jack Kuba, who honestly, yeah, they get a lot of game times in, but they're not huge offensive uh, weapons for you. It starts with the juniors and the senior, or the juniors and the sophomores. Your junior uh, and Jesse Halfmeister, who's Halfmeister, who's uh, sorry, the PA announcers clicking in the back of my head. Dave, that's Halfmeister, <laughs> uh, um, who's a, a Bevo Francis watch list guy. Uh, Seventeen points a game. Um, I'm trying to double check his rebounds. Eight rebounds per contest. I knew he had a lot of them. Um, Sean uh, Nyland, the sophomore, at 13.5 points a game. Tommy Kelly, a junior, 12 points a game. That's that that trio of juniors and sophomores. So in a lot, it's about learning this season so that yeah. next year can kind of be the big season. And, and again, I'm not looking ahead. I'm just saying sure. that's that's the scary part here. <laughs> no, it's true. It's like every, you know, every season we've had with these guys – we've had a little bit more success and with that success has like we've learned a lot of lessons and you know last year we were better but we were 17 and 7 and we were a three seed in the tournament we didn't there was no national recognition and because it wasn't deserved and and when we jumped out to such a good start this year we had a quick stint in the the d3 hoops top 25 we're regionally ranked um I thought that we were, you know, a, a, a target for every team in this league. And with that, there are expectations, there's pressure. So then there's learning how to deal with those expectations and to manage the pressure. Um, and I think that, you know, having gone through that this year, it will definitely bode well for us a year from now. And hopefully we'll have as much success next year and just be a little bit more equipped to, to handle what comes with that success. Obviously, you know this school well. Kind of, kind of played for him, um, but you took over ahead of nineteen twenty season. So you took a, a year before COVID blew everything up. Yep, you're now in your fourth season. Is this the program you wanted? Because it feels like a very different program. While it has a lot of similarities, the guard play, especially the size of the guys you bring in, but it also feels different than the Steve Howes teams, the Mike Lonergan teams. What? 
what what are you doing different that's not what we've gotten used to down in dc you know i think well one i think that the i think the game has changed um quite a bit you know um and um you know we honestly we've we've had a we've had a hard time finding bigs that we that we like so we just don't have as many of them in our program and it was a little bit easier for us to get guards that we were really attracted to uh so i didn't come into to this job thinking well this is the style of play that we're going to play and we're going to recruit to that i came into the job thinking well who can we recruit and what type of kid can we get and then once we got them we 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 started to kind of adjust our style and it ended up being definitely like a little bit smaller playing with more ball handling guards i've always you know working for for dave paulson at, at the division one level for right. as long as i did we were always like a ball screen motion team so we would you know less set plays and more teaching offense and teaching spacing and teaching concepts um so that's probably a little bit different but like the teams i played on a catholic and in the teams coach Lonergan had a lot of success with there were some dominant bigs in, in, yeah. in those programs and at times oh. there'd be two bigs on yeah. the floor and a lot of flex offense and and just kind of you know bigger wings and um guards who could play but but a lot of size on the floor and we're we're definitely not quite that we're just a little bit a little bit different because it was a little easier for us to get some guards who could really go so then we kind of we built around those guys yeah trust me you're giving me ptsd on the bigs you guys used to have Don't yeah they were good, they I, were I, good. Mm, yeah moving on um What's it like to be coaching your? I mean, I know, I know, we've talked before, but what's it like to be coaching your alma mater and having the success you're having? Because there's a lot of alums who take over a program, have grand plans, want to continue the heyday of the program that used to be, and and in yeah. reality, hey, it's not so great. Yeah, um, I, I it's been it's been a ton of fun. Um, you know, I I I try not to compare it to you know what did steve do or or what did mike do while he was here you know it's one it would be very hard i mean the 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 success that that the program has had in the past i don't want the pressure of trying to match it i just want to take what the job is now and try to max it out as best i can um but you know i'm familiar with the school i know you know i know what the i know what the guys are going through because it was very similar to what i went through and you know uh i know the rhythm of the season i know the rhythm of the off season i know what the the social life is like at the school so i think it's a little bit easier for me to relate to our guys and and to kind of understand what they're going through and like help them in different ways um so being as familiar with the school i think it's made it for me a little bit more enjoyable and just to be back where I, I went to school and some of the some of the good memories that we've had you know as, as a, a student or as a player here makes it makes it every um makes it even more enjoyable than if it wasn't my my alma mater kind of an interesting question for you the conference has never lived up to either the high expectations we put up when we got created or the expectations that when we saw good teams kind of develop never kind of fulfilled it you know, we've seen Scranton get to the Elite Eight, admittedly. One great run, maybe some help along the way. I've, I've said that many times. They at least got there. Mm-hmm. But that's it. This conference hasn't made that splash other than Catholic in 2001 winning a national title, and that wasn't this conference. Mm-hmm. What does it? What does this conference need to do as individual teams to 
better the conference to better the teams within it to make more of a national splash if that's a necess- if that's necessary if that's the goal and on a twist of that what does a, a school like my alma mater need to maybe do to be more competitive in the conference and my my alma mater is not the only one it's just an easy one for me to be able to pick out what do you sure. think needs to be done in the conference to make it that next step up yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of, you know, institution by institution and, and oh, how, de- you know, how dedicated are you going to be to athletics? Yeah. Um, and oftentimes I think that the, the best jobs in Division Three are, you know, uh, a job where cost is not going to be as big of an issue. So maybe like a, a, a state university or where the degree carries so much weight that families are willing to invest in that. And, you know, oftentimes at, at the highest level of division three, like that's, that's what you see, you know, you see the, the, the Swarthmore's and the Johns Hopkins, and you see the NESCACs where that, that degree just carries so much weight or you see a job, you know, where it's uh, a Christopher Newport, you know, it's a big state school and it's, um, and it's attractive place to go. And it's, it's very affordable. Um, sometimes I think the landmark schools get caught, in the middle of that, you know, where it is, it's a good degree. It's a good school. It might not be Hopkins or SWAT. It's going to be a little bit more expensive than some of the public schools. Um, so you just got to kind of know, you know, what's your niche and, and, and where can you go? Um, what can we do collectively to, to help ourselves? We probably need to try to schedule a little bit more challenging, you know, in our non-conference to try to build up that strength of schedule. Cause that seems to be the direction um like the ncaa committee is going is like there's a huge emphasis on like what's your strength of schedule and not as much an emphasis on like the the win-loss percentage um so you know when we get into league if we're playing one another and we've had good non-conferences maybe we can build our strength of schedule and it goes up instead of instead of going down um but i don't you know i don't I don't know. I don't I honestly probably don't pay enough attention to the the national landscape to to answer your question um, well. But those are no, but you no, you gave some little bullets that they're interesting. I think we all know about the strength of schedule side of that. And and, but the per institutional thing and that dynamic of where the landmarks may be caught in the middle. That's a that's one that I don't think I've fully been able to put my finger on. And so I, I, I appreciate that. If you look at scheduling, if you want to go schedule really hard games, sometimes there's a there's a cost to that. If you you had to go out of region and play some yeah. some some uh, regionally ranked opponents that are not in your region, well, that's an extra bus, it's an extra hotel, it's a, you know, and if you don't have the budget for it, it's a little harder to do. Um, so I think things like that come into play that you know the average person might not be thinking about when they when they see somebody's schedule or their their strength of schedule. No, I totally appreciate that. Uh, I know you got a week here to get ready for Scranton, so we'll let you get back to it. I appreciate the time. Good luck this weekend. Uh, obviously, the tournament um, tournament is where is it? By the way, totally. It's it's we're Wednesday, Saturday in higher seed host. So we've got Scranton. Is oh, I looked at the wrong day. Yep. And then yep. uh, Juniata is going to Susquehanna on Wednesday. Yep. No, I looked at the wrong date. So. Yeah, no matter who you got ahead of you, it's a test. Obviously, it's whoever's test. on the other side, it's a revenge game. So appreciate right. it as always, Aaron. Or we always give the uh, final word uh, to the guest. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Uh, well, the one thing I would like to say to you is thank you um, for the, the work that you have put in um, to Division Three basketball. And, you know, coming back to Division Three, I, I had – I played in 2006 and then coached till 2008 
But then from 2008 to when I came back, I was in Division One and had kind of lost, um, you know, lost my connection to Division Three. And now being back and just seeing how much better it is, like the the players are really good. Um, the the coverage that we get from from people like you in the media, um, it's like it it's awesome. I think I think the level is a ton of fun. And uh, we, you know, I, we have to thank people like yourselves for for making it a priority and, and getting the word out and, and doing things like this that just I think it make it a little bit more enjoyable for everybody. Well, thanks, Aaron. Of course, it is a Catholic alum in Pat Coleman, <laughs> who is who is the spearhead of all of this. So, sure. yeah, it's a, still a little bitter pill, but it's OK. I, I've yeah, moved on. I, I can't live in my glory days of the late 90s and early 2000s too much longer. So, I Aaron, thanks to the time, sir. I really appreciate it. Good luck this week. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. And uh, worst case scenario, I'll see you at the Gopher Dome sometime in the future. OK. All right. Thanks, Dave. Thanks a lot for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Aaron Kelly joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate the time he gave us. They got Scranton coming up. I just misread, just clearly misread the calendar. Uh, they got him coming up here on uh, the 22nd, which is uh, Wednesday, as he mentioned. And then it'll be the Landmark Conference Championship game. If they, I believe, yeah, if if they if they uh, are playing Susquehanna, it'll be at Susquehanna. If they are playing Juniata, it'll be at Juniata. Running a little bit behind. I want to get going with uh, Catholic uh, on to Christopher Newport, appropriately enough. Uh, we'll talk to John Krikorian coming up here shortly. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% will go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. 
From eastern to occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments. I clicked the wrong source. Welcome back to, to the Hoopsville Show on a Monday evening. Rolling along, I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Your questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com or join us on Facebook or YouTube where we're live simulcasting the show. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville. That's how you can get a hold of us, and we certainly hope you'll take the time to do just that. Uh, did get a donation during our last segment. We're closing in on 3000 on our total. Appreciate everybody who's donated to us. Our initial goal is 5000 um, but uh, I got a secondary goal that's twice that. So if you think you're done, we're not. We're not. Um, all right, let's switch gears. Talk Catholic now to Christopher Newport, which actually came up in the last conversation, the number three ranked team in all the land. What's interesting about tonight's show, and I did not realize it until I was doing it, was 22-3 and three is the record for all three teams we're talking to tonight. But they're on very different places of the poll on both the men's and women's side. Catholic, not in the poll. Christopher Newport, very much so in the poll. Having another terrific season. Always fun to talk about it with their coach, Coach K, as it were. Now the only Coach K there is in division in the NCAA, plain and simple. He joins us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. It's John Gregorian. Coach, good to see you, sir. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, as always, thanks for coming on. Um, listen, I'll be honest. I, I know this is going to sound weird for some people, but to some degree, I think the women are stealing all the hot, uh, the headlines from you. Uh, your women's soccer program finally, you know, clinches a national title. Your women's basketball program is pretty darn good out there. Um, is that taking a little bit of pressure off uh, of the men's program there? You, you don't need to worry about the spotlight as many times shining on you guys? Uh, yeah, I guess it, it- Listen, seeing you right now, I mean, we, we're in the middle of a just a historic run across the board, uh, men's teams, women's teams. Um, you know, somebody just texted me earlier, over the last three years, 147 and 17 men's and women's basketball combined record. I mean, that's just incredible, you know, and, and to be part of that and share a whole way with, with these coaches, um, you know, there's a health, healthy competition that exists, but we pull for each other. Uh, and, it, and it's really cool to be part of an uh, of an environment like that, and I, you know, and the players feed off that as well. Oh, sure. Um, you're having another great season. It feels like at this point we can we should never ever consider there's a rebuild, a retool, a re anything with you all. You're always going to have the pieces in place. I'm really curious, John. What is it about what you've built there that allows the program to stay? so consistent especially right now in an atmosphere pre-covid covid and now that is so fluid yeah i i, I tell you um it, it's been it, it's been crazy uh to have gone on this run and for it to continue uh and right eight nine ten years ago i don't you know would have said hey good year not so good year but uh, this run we've been on with the players that started the run um, that that took a chance on us and, and came in those early years in 10, 11, 12, 13 and kind of built us to that first Final Four, uh, the Tim Daly's, the Kevin Regenballs, the Marcus Carters, um, 
you know, the the groundwork that they laid uh, and the way that they did it, they were really talented players, as you know. We got all Americans there, Aaron McFarlane and, and those guys. Um, but they were always team first. Uh, and I and I think whether it be our staff, longtime coach Roland Ross, now we have uh, Jaron Dyson on his third go-around, Jeremy Brown, we had Don Parker, uh, just phenomenal coaches here that just continue to, to buy in to the team first approach. You know, when you have really good people around you and they care more about the team, when you have really talented players and they care more about the team and they don't always come in that way. Um, but quickly within the culture that was established long ago with these guys, if you're not about the team, you're not going to last very long. And that doesn't happen often that someone doesn't make it. They, they buy in because team is fun. Uh, it's fun being part of a really good team where everybody carries their weight and does their yeah. job. And, and these guys have done that. And and obviously they're super talented. They love the game. CNU provides a great environment and and game day you know uh, deal for these guys. But um, you know I, I think it's just the buy-in of team first from all the way from the top to the bottom from president, athletic director, coaches, and players um, has allowed us to maintain a certain level here, and we're, we're going to ride it as long as we can. You have the advantage slash disadvantage with the C to C of being able to go out there and craft a competitive schedule. I say advantage because you don't have a lot of games that allows you some flexibility. Go go out there and really get some teams. The disadvantage is you got to spend a lot of time finding a lot of games. Um, But you look at this, and and even the misses, and I don't mean misses on your part, just a team that's not having the season that that team has prototypically had in the last 5, 10 years. A Lynchburg, for example. Just not having the season we're growing accustomed but. You started the season with Hopkins, Lynchburg, WNL, Susquehanna. Um, you also had North Carolina Wesleyan, who's had a pretty decent season. You've got Marymount, who can be streaky. Hampton, Sydney, Virginia, Wesleyan, Elmhurst, TCNJ, who's been back and forth. The The list goes on. Oh, by the way, it also includes uh, the defending national champs and Randolph-Macon. What's it like to craft a schedule like that where you can literally go out there, especially your location, but also the commitment by the athletics department and the school, and go find the good teams to not only make yourselves better, but give yourself that national attention? Yeah, it's exciting. You know, as you said, it's, you know, there's some some advantages. Obviously, I'm not sure how many coaches would trade seats um with me to have to schedule 25 games you know i mean yeah. you can talk about crafting and strength the schedule but there's a lot of guys that say yeah i'm I'm good with my you know 16 or 18 conference games and and we'll schedule a few more um but it does allow us that that flexibility and that opportunity and what's really neat about it i mean we're in a region right now arguably the strongest around i mean the odak the centennial i mean these teams are nationally um competitive every year so it's not like we have to fly to texas to play competitive games i mean we got macon sydney wesleyan roanoke lynchburg guilford all these guys right down the road hopkins we've had a great uh series with here for a while um so you know i just think that we're we are fortunate that we're in a pretty good location to play some of the top teams in the country um i think that our success has kind of listen there's people that call us Hey, we want to play. And you think they call me if they don't have a good team? No, they call me because they think they got a really good team and they want to they want to knock us off. And and that's cool. Um, 
I know for our guys, they want to play the best. And the, and the good thing is, you know, we start to understand after years, and I heard Aaron talk about it. Yeah, my first few years uh, back in Division Three, I didn't really understand how this worked. I have a better feel now having had our teams there with the SOS and how important that is and how important the scheduling piece is. Um, that you look at the UAA, for instance. I mean, if you go out and play and get a high SOS, you could lose some games. I mean, you don't have to win every game. Um, and have an opportunity to play in, in the postseason, which is really, you know, that's the the pinnacle. That's what these guys want to do. They want to play in the postseason. Uh, they want to host games. They want to get the best seed they can. Uh, and they want to be considered the best, which means you got to play the best. Uh, and so we've been really fortunate to have the flexibility to do that. It's not always easy playing, you know, five games in 10 days in December, for instance. Um, you know, we come out at finals and you got, you know, Marymount, Sydney, Virginia Wesleyan back to back to back pretty much. But I think it's made us stronger, tougher, more resilient. Um, you know, I like where it's positioned us here uh, heading into the postseason. Well, I was going to ask you about that two-game slide because I don't I, – I mean, listen, I don't expect anybody to go undefeated during a, 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 po- a season at all. You guys are responsible for the one blemish on Randolph-Macon's record from last season when they won the national title. But I will admit, seeing back-to-back losses threw me a, a, a little bit. And I saw you drop one to Hamden City. I went, okay, you know, Caleb's – proven already that he's got something there that doesn't surprise me but they'll be ready for virginia wesley and then whoa wait what happened Macedo got him too was it was it what you said was it just exams was it just the challenge of everything that was going along yeah i, I mean it's just that time of the year it was that point in our season where we we hit a little bit of a wall and when you're playing teams like that they're going to take advantage of it uh, and nearly every team goes through it i think it was necessary for us i don't think if we go through that week we play as well as we did against elmhurst for instance so fair you know i i just think that it's part of the deal um this particular group for us with a lot of returners and a lot of expectations but some new pieces in there as well uh it's taken us a little bit to to gel new coaching staff um for these guys and it's just t- honestly it's only been about two weeks since we all kind of looked at each other as a group and and we're on the same page. I mean, this has been an interesting year. Uh, we have so many talented guys and to try to get them to be on the same page every day, every night, uh, it's been a challenge. And But we're getting there and we still learn every day. We got better in practice today and, and we're still learning and growing. I wish we had another two months. We don't. But I really like where we're at. And and it was just a couple of weeks ago that it is one practice kind of flipped the switch. And and I, it was shortly after Randolph Macon uh, where I think everything kind of came together. Uh, and we oh, were no. really, really good about our group. No, you had close games up to that. York, uh, Pennsylvania, prior to the Randolph Macon was an, an overtime win uh, by three. They're a 14 and 11 season uh, so far. Brandeis was a six point game prior to that. Yeah, no, you had some you had some kind of tough games, and that Randolph-Macon game seemed to just kind of uh, waken everything up. And by the way, that was the first of several games in a row nationally that were just bonkers and fun to watch from a national perspective. It was a terrific game. Crazy X's and O, crazy uh, uh, dynamics in terms of execution. I'll admit, at one point, I really didn't know who was going to win that game. What was it like to be in it? Because it, it felt like in the first half, it may have been your game. At one point early in the second half, it looked like Macon had taken over, but then you guys seemed to have another moment in that second half before Macon ended up taking control. Ultimately, what was it like to play that one this season? 
man, it was fun. And the best thing about my group is they are, <laughs> I tell you what, you know, they are super competitive. Um, we're, we're, we don't always do everything right. Uh, I don't think anybody does, but these guys are just super competitive and they want to be in games like that. And that, that environment was, was awesome. Um, I thought, I thought both teams played, you know, just at a, at a grittiness level of a rival game where it was like, nobody wanted to lose that game, you know, and they were able to, to step up at the end and make some big plays and, um, you know, kudos to making another great year, another great team. Um, but often you can learn a little more from a from a loss than a win, and uh, I think we've we've learned quite a bit um, since then, and we continue continue to learn. What's the secret? You, you you mentioned it earlier about guys who have to understand their roles and and maybe making adjustments themselves. I'll call it a different way. What's it? What's the secret to getting guys to check their egos at the door, and understand even in a loss, even in a two game loss. Even in a game that got away from you, because to some degree, maybe the Randolph making got a game got away from you. That it, you still got to trust the system. You got to trust in your teammates, and even if you are really good, that thirty-five point in a night game maybe isn't what we need right now. Yeah, it's not. If I had the magic, then I'd be the other coach, K. Right? I mean, I, I don't have any. I don't have any magic. Um, You're selling yourself short, sir. No, I. I I think it's about being honest and, and truthful and having that relationship where, where they know you as the head coach and the assistants. You're coming from a place of, listen, we all want the same thing. We want to help you uh, be the best player. We want to be the best team. And and sometimes those hard truths from coach to player and from player to player um, are necessary. They're not always fun, uh, but they're but they're required. Um, you know, and I think when you when you talk about things like defense and rebounding, which we've really hung our hat on, you know, for a long time, you know, those are selfless acts. There's not a lot of glory in, you know, getting through a screen uh, or putting a, putting a body on a weak side offensive rebounder. um, Even if it's not your rebound ultimately, you know, and I, and I think just, just getting them to see and understand whether it be through conversations or film that those things matter and that they're going to help us all achieve uh, something that, that is greater than ourselves. I mean, that that's, I think that's what we all strive for. Every, every coach you have on, on the program believes that, and we all want to do that. And um, we've been very blessed to have players that have bought in. Yeah, talking about some of these guys, John Hines, for example, junior, leading the captain 17 points a game, five and a half rebounds, uh, career high 33 points against Salisbury earlier this season. Um, and, and, of course, he's not the only one, but certainly – it seems like the, the drink gets stirred by him. Yeah, and, it, you know, you talk about how does it happen. Well, when you have the guy who's the leading scorer but also leads you in assists, you know, that's similar to like a Marcus Carter. Um, th- that's really important when your leading scorer is that unselfish uh, and sees the floor and is willing to do those things. And he rebounds the ball. Uh, he competes, puts his body on the line. Uh, and, and so it does. It starts there. And John's very happy. One of the first numbers he looks at after the game is how many assists did I have, and, um, and th- that for your leading scorer to to think that way really sets the tone. Uh, his competitive nature is is contagious, and now his brother Colin, who is similarly competitive, uh, John uh, Jamal Madison, who played with those guys at Norview High School. I mean, Ty Henderson, 
these guys are so competitive every day. We have to stop practice. <laughs> Yo, okay, let's just practice. This doesn't actually count for the standings. Um, it, it's that type of, of environment, and it's led by John, no question, but it's contagious. You know, and a guy who's had just a breakout season, Matt Brody, he has been the glue to the to the whole deal. He's been awesome. Trey Barber, you know, holds it down defensively, blocks shots, protects the rim. Um, I, I think we've had a really nice balance with the group. You, we, you, you talked about the balance. That's certainly there. Hines is an example of that. There's also a bit of a, an understanding of what the goals are at the beginning of the season. A lot of schools were like, we'd love to be in the NCAA tournament. It feels like to you guys is we will be in the NCAA tournament. You've been to six straight. Granted, the C2C doesn't necessarily give you the easiest route to get there. It also doesn't exactly give you the hardest. It's this weird, quirky conglomerate. You will play a conference tournament coming up here, but you're assured at this point of being in the tournament. I think we've all, having seen the top 16 last week, assume you will be in no matter what. Is that a, this is going to sound maybe a little off, but is that a sense of pride that you, you literally write on the board, we are an NCAA tournament team, we should be in the NCAA tournament, there, there is no other exception, and that's what we pride ourselves on? You know, I don't. We don't talk about that as as coaches or in team meetings, you know, I think the players certainly uh, have things they talk about, but you know, the message is guys, you know, they, they showed through last year with as many returners as we had. Um, I mean, losing Jason Aguirre, Darian Peterson and, uh, and Adrian B's a huge losses, but we had, we had a lot coming back and we just felt like with, with the talent in the room, if we did the things that we we know we're capable of, if we play basketball the right way, we should be having an opportunity to go back there. That's all. But you got to still do what you have to do. There's a lot of really talented teams that are not going to play in March. Tons of them. There's going to be tons of good players that should be All-Americans. They're not going to be playing in March. And I think these guys have embraced doing what it takes every day to get there. Um, and I think they've been motivated a lot by that Marietta game last year. I mean, we really felt like we really felt like like last year we were as good as anybody in the country, yeah. Um, and and we would have loved a, a rematch uh, with Randolph Macon. I mean, we had beaten them, but I know they wanted a rematch. But we would have, I mean, that's what you had to do. We would have had to beat Macon, and we didn't get that opportunity to do that. Um, going to Marietta and losing in the, in you know final minute seconds, whatever, and that stung, man. Our our guys didn't yeah. feel like oh we're happy to be at Marietta. You know, they felt like, man, we let one slip away, and and I think it's motivated them to a get back there, uh, and and b not leave it to to the final seconds if at all possible. I am curious though because the making team you beat was not the making team that beat Marietta, and I I remember thinking to myself, did you really want to see that making team a second time? Because I think that would have been a very different game with how they were clicking at that point compared to what you saw in, what was it, January, or, uh, December or, or November? It felt yeah, very I different mean, to me. Oh, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, we would have won, should have won, could have won. I just, opportunities, right? Uh, yeah, that's all sure. you can ask for. That's well, it would have been you your third for. Final Four. But it would have been those guys first, right? Whatever. I mean, it, right. it's... Each, I mean, listen. Every group is just so so unique, um, and and we had something special. We had some magic going too, and 
certainly Macon did. They proved it all along the way, and you know who knows. And I, I'm, you can't look back other than we would have loved to be on that stage. I know those guys really wanted to be on that stage. Marietta earned it, and good for them. It's great. Uh, not to take anything away from anybody, other than no. it has motivated our group. No, I totally do. I I totally get that, and I appreciate the answer. Uh, it certainly intrigued me, to say the least. Uh, looking ahead quickly, um, it's official. You'll be. Uh, oh, I've lost track. Who are you playing? You're heading out to San Diego, uh, to California, right? To Santa Cruz to so, play your games. Yep. The way our conference works is the 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 championship uh, top six go to the a seed that is predetermined. Obviously, you right. couldn't you couldn't decide the week before that we're all going to go to California or CNU, <laughs> right? So it's predetermined. It'll be at, at Santa Cruz. Which is like one of the coolest venues in the world. We'll play at the uh, the G League Arena of the uh, yeah. State Warriors. We played there last year. It's just super cool, like to play there. Um, there'll be the three, six, four, five game will be played on Thursday. We are the one seed, so we'll play the winner of Santa Cruz, Warren Wilson, and then Mary Washington's a two seed. They'll play the winner of Salisbury and Pratt, I believe it is, and um, that'll be on Friday, and we go from there. There are worse places to play if you have to go on the road. Yeah, definitely. There may not be any better, though. (laughs) Hey, no, I appreciate the time, Coach. Thanks so much. Good luck the rest of the way. We appreciate uh, what you've done. Uh, Great to have you on the show. I couldn't believe it had been this long, but I figured at the same time, we talked to you so many times at the beginning of the season. I wanted to talk to you later in the year, and I'm glad we got that opportunity. Uh, good luck the rest. As I said, we look forward to seeing what you can do in the NCAA tournament as well. In the meantime, as you know, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? I do. You're going to like this one. And I love when you call me late in the season. But, you know, for all of us who appreciate the platform that you give uh, to the players, like I'm, it's just – and I know for me it's every year and it's a lot of talk. So, I, I listen, your campaign, five grand, like I think you're selling yourself short. I think you should go right for 10. Um, I'd like to challenge everybody who, who's watching tonight, coaches, parents, friends, families, D3 Hoops lovers. Like, I'm going to hit the button as soon as we get off here. I'm going to start it. I, I, I challenge everybody to throw 50 bucks in tonight. That's, that's what would that be, like a ridiculously small amount per month. Um, so I'm going to challenge everybody that's watching this. Uh, they might have, hopefully y'all didn't shut it off after I started the interview, but uh, anybody that's still watching or maybe comes on later, 50 bucks tonight. I think we got to get over five grand tonight. I'm going to start it, hit the button. As soon as I get off, we got to get to 5,000 tonight. Thank you for all you do. As, as they say, money talks, you know what walks. Let's put our money where our mouth is and support these guys who support our team. So thank you, Dave. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. I just changed the tote board to 10,000. So I took your challenge up. I appreciate the Dude, motivation. Man, go for it the motivated whole thing. Me. Go for the gusto, baby. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, sir. I always enjoy chatting with you. Look forward to talking to you down the road. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks. John Krikorian joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. He's he's decided that the challenge was not good enough at 5,000. And I have endorsed his thinking. We have now moved it to 10,000. We are a shade under 3,000, though. So I like his thinking. Come on. Fi- uh 50 bucks a person. I've always thought about that. It's not that much in the grand scheme of things. I really appreciate it. It does it does a ton for us, and we've got grand plans for the future after our 20th season. Take a break because I'm way behind schedule because I've had some great conversations already. we got to get to uh, Dan uh, Raymond 
head coach of Ithaca Women's Basketball. And then we got to get to the women's and men's committee. So or our, our double takes crew. So I got to get going. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk to Dan Raymond about his Ithaca Bombers. You listen to Hoops we're presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue to roll along. Uh, the challenge has been set out there. Uh, John Krikorian has stated that the 5000 goal that I had put up for our fundraiser was too low, that it must be at 10000 So we bumped it up, and now he's challenged everybody to donate $50. I am waiting to see how that gets reacted to, and I may clip it for the future shows. Uh, I'm going to pivot, talk women's basketball. Just so that you guys know, we usually try to have an equal number of men's and women's coaches on the show, or schools, we should say, because sometimes we have student-athletes. Uh, in this case, we did have a second women's program. Unfortunately, they weren't able to get on the show tonight. It came... Uh, it fell apart at, uh, at the last minute, or not last minute, but on a day where I couldn't handle it uh, because I'm a little, the red eye beat me a little bit up. Uh, so, uh, unfortunately, we're just talking to one women's team, but we will have the the top 25 panel coming up. Ithaca is probably one of the more consistent women's basketball teams that we don't talk enough about, to be plain and simple. Uh, they are a program that is always successful. Dan uh, Raymond is it always has a team that's in the conversation and I guess maybe I've taken it for granted because I, I, I realized uh, today or this weekend we hadn't talked in a while on the show. So joining us on the Huddle Hoops Hotline is the aforementioned Dan Raymond, head coach of the Ithaca Bombers, who are 15th in the latest top 25 at D3Hoops.com. Coach, first and foremost, welcome back to the show. It has been a while. I hope you are well. Thank you, Dave. I really appreciate being here. And, and yeah, I'm doing fine. Thank you. Great to hear. Um let's get to that point you you are probably one of the more consistent teams and it's not because you you play an easy schedule the liberty league certainly loves to try and take their pop shots at you and you go out there and certainly play uh some some good teams in their non-conference schedule 
along the lines of what I was talking to with John Krikorian, what's been the secret on on the consistency you've been able to develop with the program? You know, Dave, I, I really believe that Ithaca is a pretty easy sell for me. Um, it's a great school, great location, great town. You know, it's a great college town with Cornell University being here as well. Yeah. So I, I think that's the selling point. You know, we always talk about at the Division three level that it's academics first. And, you know, we have a lot of great academic programs here. So I'm able to attract really good students who happen to be pretty good basketball players. That's a secret in Division three. That's for sure. And, and listen, I agree. You're in a great part of the country. Uh, the Finger Lakes are terrific. Certainly Cornell is certainly going to have some advantages to that. The college towns always seem to have kind of that niche, as it were. But still, you could have some ups and downs, but you're a consistent NCAA tournament type team. I know that your goals may not be achieved, but from the outsider's perspective, it's pretty consistent. What's the type of player you're always trying to strive to get outside of the academics and loves of basketball? But what's the system that you're trying to always make work that's been so successful? You know, it's it's something that, you know, I, I think Aaron mentioned it, you know, when I was listening to him we at the division three level can't build a system and attract people to fit into it. We have to attract, you know, the, the people that we think will, will, will be really good at at Ithaca college and then build a system that fits them. So we've been very fortunate in that regard to attract students, um, that, that are really high character kids, um, that do, you know, fit in really well with what we're trying to do here, um, regardless of how we're going to do it. You know, there's been years that we played predominantly zone defense, where there's been years that we pressed, but we've never really done anything always the same other than play fast. We want to play up-tempo. So I guess if there's one thing that we've done, it's it's play up-tempo. No, you definitely play up-tempo. I've gotten used to seeing that in a lot of games. Uh, you got a 22-3 and record, which, again, every single team on the show tonight happens to have a 22-3 and record. 17-1 and in Liberty League play. Uh, interesting, the one loss came in the last one. Just for the record, you were booked before that game took place, in case anybody has any theories out there. Uh, Vassar tripped you guys up in the last one, 75-71, at, at their place. I'm curious, is that a good thing? You took a loss going into the conference tournament and possible NCAA tournament. Is that a good way for a coach to remind his team that anything can happen on any given night? You know, it's one of those conversations that's been swirling around our office, you know, and, and, and the bus ride on the way home from Vassar, too. You know, and a lot of people have told us, you know, that that may be a really good thing. And it's from my perspective, that's kind of hard to swallow uh, because it was the last <laughs> game of the season, you know? Yeah, you never, I hear that. But, but that last game of the season is not one that you want to, you know, you know, start your postseason on, on that time of, of, of note. Yeah, no, I listen, that I can appreciate. You don't want to finish the regular season on a hiccup. You, you want to finish strong going into the conference tournament. You will play the conference tournament. Uh, forgive me, I don't have who you will play uh, directly in front of me. Are you on a bye? Yeah, um, yeah. we will play. You know, we're the, we're the top seed. Uh, so we'll play the winner of RPI St. Lawrence. Thanks. Yeah, I just I forgot to get it in front of me before I asked the question. Um, and that has its benefits, too. Uh, and there's a little bit of gamesmanship. And I think a smart one to some degree when it comes to strength of schedules and results and all that to protect the top seeds a little bit. Are you looking already to March that you that you want to make sure this is a strong week? To I mean, your name popped up in the top 16s. You know you've got a chance at a, 
a good hosting opportunity. You're probably in the NCAA tournaments no matter what happens this week. Or is there more at stake in terms of the program and what you want to accomplish that keeps you from looking a week down the road? There's always a danger of, of looking you know, down the road. And that's something that we try to convince our, our student athletes to, you know, it, it's, it's one practice, it's one game, it's one play at a time. So we really do focus on just the process um, and then allow what happens, the results to happen. Um, but as long as we are, you know, again, focused on what we know we, we can do and should do and need to do, that's all I can ask for. No, that's a great point. I, I can certainly appreciate that. By the way, outscoring your opponents by 16.6 points a game. What what jumped out at me when I was doing my research for the top 16s last week was not what you're doing on offense. It's what you're doing on defense, holding teams under 50 points a game. Um, and you're you're keeping opponents at 33% shooting. That That's a staggering number when you consider – just the scope of a season that that you're able to keep that kind of suffocating defense in place. By the way, three point shooting is twenty seven percent. You're 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 uh, allowing, and I use that in a little bit of air quotes. Is this defense first, and then high paced offense, and 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 kind of jam it down your throat second, or is the defense coming along because the offense is humming along as well? No, we're really defense oriented. You know, we really kind of emphasize from the beginning of the season, you know, defense and rebounding. And uh, my volunteer assistant coach is, is Coach Mullins, you know, formerly of the, the men's team, you know, and what he tries to convince our student athletes of is that defense and rebounding travels. You can have off shooting nights, you know, when you go certain places, especially on the road, but you can always, you know, count on your defense and rebounding. So that's something that we really have emphasized and focused on. I wasn't going to go there, but you did bring that up. What is it? <laughs> what is it like to have Mullins uh, uh, as one of your assistant coaches uh, from from his former days on the men's side? He's been outstanding. He's been great, you know, and he does a really good job of connecting with with our with our young women. I know, and that was something that you know we weren't really sure of, you know, when I asked yeah, him fair. if he would be interested in doing it. But he's been great with it, you know. And the the one thing too is his background. He has coached women. You know, in the past, he was a big softball guy. Um, oh, true. So, yeah. So that's something that, that we knew going in. Uh, but he's been great, and, and he really kind of is, is a defense guy. So it really helps us out in that area. Uh, let's talk about the team. Emily Dorn's leading the team in scoring. But what's interesting is you don't have a lot of players in double figures. She's your only one at 10.8. Uh, Natalie Smith at 9.3, and then 8.5 for Lindsay Albernetti and, and Cameron Coffey at 8.2. And I'll keep going. 7.3 for Kara uh, Volp, Volp or Volpe? Volpe. 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 Uh, almost got it. Uh, Hannah, uh, Hannah uh, Pulse. Uh, is seven points. And, and I could keep going because what I find interesting there is while you have one in double figures, the the spread of who's scoring is kind of tight. It's not like you get a steep decline after you got a group of three or four, and then it's four or five points before you get to the next group. In my years of, of reading into those things, it feels like it's an it's a lot of options on the floor at any time. And yes, it might go through Dorn or Dorn gets the most points on most nights, but you've got two, three, even four or five options at any given time on the floor. That's true. And you know, it does uh, make our team, you know, a little bit challenging to scout and, and prepare for. 
which is something that we really appreciate and really like him being able <laughs> sure. to do that. And the thing is that that all the players that you mentioned, they score in different areas of the floor, different ways. Um, so it, it does give us, as you mentioned, a lot of options, uh, which we try to take advantage of on the offensive end. Well, it's working, that's for sure. Shooting, by the way, 41% as a team. So you're out shooting your team, your opponents by 8%. Um, you're out, the, the three-point shooting is similar. Uh, is, is that, you're shooting 28%. Is that probably the one thing, if we're looking for an Achilles heel on this team, it's it's the outside shooting? Yes, definitely. You know, we, you know, I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, what we score in the paint, but that's that's where we kind of, you know, want the ball to go. Um you know, draw the defense in, and then, you know, when we do get an opportunity to hit those outside shots, hopefully we can come through. But the bulk of our scoring is in the paint. Um, you're in your twenty, or no, your 23rd season as head coach uh, of this unit. Again, we talk about consistency, but it feels like, and I could be wrong, I feel like you're always about to take another step forward. Like, there's some unfinished business when it comes to March. And I know you're not looking there yet, but just in general, historically, have you, you've seemed like you've had programs that could take it to the next level and you've just missed out. Is that something that, that drives you drives the coaching staff, even drives the student athletes a little bit of trying to take the bombers to that, to that next level? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, You know, every year that we, you know, we, we talk about, you know, what we would like to accomplish, you know, and, and at the same, in the same breath, I wanted to say that, you know, we don't really talk about, well, long-term goals. We talk about, you know, what are we trying to accomplish this week? You know, what are you trying to accomplish next week? And we've had, you know, we, we in- implemented this, um, you know, steps of success meetings that we've, we've had throughout the season where we kind of sit down with the team and go over, okay, this is where we are. This is how we got here. So what is the next step? As you mentioned, that's what we're trying to do. So, yeah, the the next step is for us to kind of, you know, advance, you know, get to the NCAA tournament and then then advance. So you've got uh, a couple of losses this season, not to backtrack, but I'm curious how it's driving you forward. Obviously, the last loss to Vassar, I know, is in your craw a little bit, but you also have a loss to Scranton, obviously, pretty good on pretty good team. They're undefeated. Uh, they they got you by by 21 and you have a loss to Rochester that was a pretty big spread as well 83 66 curious if those games are still kind of motivating this team or being used as a lesson on this season or are those games been filed away in the vault and moving on they they're not relevant now no they're they're there they're relevant you know because in order for us to as you know the previous conversation was about you know advancing in the NCAA tournament those are the yeah. types of teams that we are going to face that we have to find a way to compete against and and ultimately come on top so yeah it's they're always there and they're they're never in the vault (laughs) nothing ever goes in the vault fair no i mean it's interesting because some teams i think do do that with some really bad games that they're just one-offs but i i can get that they're a couple and i can totally appreciate that those are the teams especially a scranton who's just close enough in your general geographic area that could easily re- reappear on a bracket when when you move forward. Uh, Dan, I really appreciate the insight that we're getting on this team. I, I'm kind of curious, what is it that we're not seeing on the floor or we don't see in the stat sheet that's making this team click, that that is driving the unit or is making them successful? What is it that we can't 
you know, get a finger on, as it were, to, to truly understand? You know, you may find this humorous, interesting, whatever, but um, I can remember sitting with, with the players um, and, and you know, I, I don't know what it was. And somebody asked them, you know, very similar to what the questions you just asked me. And, and one of our players said, we really like each other. You know, so <laughs> I, I think it's that they play for each other. They care about each other. Um, they do get they get along exceptionally well. So I think that's one of the things that people, again, don't see. But at the same time, um, if you come into our practices, they're very competitive as well. So it's not always easy, um, I think, particularly on, on you know, the female side to have teams that can compete in practice and then leave it on the floor and be friends um, and be close off the court. So that's something that this team has done exceptionally well. No, it, I mean, I, the dynamic on the men's side is, I would say, challenging and interesting, but I know on the women's side it's it's a tends to be more of a family. So if you're going at each other on the court, you kind of sometimes have to let those hard feelings stay on the court. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Dan, absolutely. appreciate the time. Uh, great to get an understanding of what's going on at Ithaca. Um, if you don't mind, I don't want to be uh, to, to end on a sour note, but I am curious. Ithaca's been in a lot of headlines, as a lot of schools have, about its future. I, I can't imagine Ithaca not there because it is so storied. But Casanova is a cautionary tale for a lot of people. What's the what's it like on Ithaca right now? Are you guys feeling comfortable that the future for the Bombers, not along uh, along with the institution, is still going to be there in the next two, five, ten, how many years? Yeah, um, I, I do feel like we're 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 in a really good space right now. Um, our administration is doing a really good job. Our board of trustees, you know, they were just on campus here recently, and so I think we're very optimistic about the future uh, of what we're trying to do as an institution. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty confident that that we're in a good place and we're going to be going in an even a better place soon. Well, that's good to hear. Well, I hope you're also going in a better place as it were, for the program, too, especially coming up after next week. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, I'm just going to, you know, chime in with with the previous two coaches and, and really appreciate all that you do for us at the Division Three level, Dave. It's it's something that, you know, the you know, one of your um, promos is, you know, the Division Three has, you know, more teams and, and more fans and stuff like that. And, you know, I've, I've always felt this, and I'm, I'm a Division Three person through and through, um, it's the best level to be at for students, you know, for student athletes. Um, and, and the fact that you highlight that is something that's really special. So I just want to really say thank you, Dave, for all that you do for us at the Division Three level. Well, thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Great to chat with you. I'm sorry. I did not realize it had been a while. That is our error, to say the least. Maybe we got a little too comfortable with how uh, terrific the Bombers were. Thanks for coming on and talking about them. I'm sorry it came on after a loss, but I think it made it more interesting. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thank you, Dave. Dan Raymond joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Terrific conversation with him. Uh, I think that Vassar loss uh, is a game that should make everybody else cringe because I think the Bombers uh, will be coming out uh, guns blazing, as it were, in their next set of games. Again, they got conference tournament semifinals coming up. They're waiting for their opponent to find out who it is. They've got a bye. And then they're on to the NCAA tournament, hopefully coming up here in a week's time. Look forward to seeing where they get slotted. Uh, they were a top 16 last last week uh, in those regional rankings. When we come back, we'll talk 
women's top 25. Our experts, Riley Zayas and Scott Peterson, join us. You listen to Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're at D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue on this um, evening. Lots talked about. We'll recap a little bit at the end of the show, but we've got our women's top 25 panel out. As we speak, the women's top 25 panel is or poll has not been released. Gordon is tied up at a playoff game this evening on this Monday evening. I do have a, a quick note that he shared. He said, not much change. Washington and Jefferson replaces Washington in a holiday-appropriate poll. I had to share that because on this President's Day, I thought that certainly was appropriate. Um, of course, when we talk top 25, two of the guys that we've enjoyed chatting about it with are Riley Zayas and Scott Peterson. They certainly had a, a bit of a, a pulse of things, as it were. So joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline for our top 25 double take. Our last one, to be really honest, because we'll be pivoting and talking more um, NCAA sports or NCAA tournaments with these two fine gentlemen in a, in a week's time. But, uh, guys, thanks for taking the time to come on tonight. Um, we do our dubious, our deep dive, and our and our uh, debatable, and we'll explain those in just a moment. But, Riley, we'll start with you. Overall, it's it's been kind of a, a little bit of an exciting few weeks here in women's basketball. While the men have gotten a lot of the attention, the women have certainly had a few games of late that 
gotten everybody's attention. No doubt, Dave. It's It's been a, a, a fun thing to follow the last couple of weeks because we're now in that point where teams are in the home stretch of their conference schedules, and a lot can happen. I mean, we've seen a lot of teams kind of um, upset, some, some top 25 teams or even top 25 hopefuls, some games that kind of raised some eyebrows. Uh, and then obviously we head into the conference tournaments where we all know – a lot can happen in this week and, and, and could change the way that we're currently viewing uh, the way the NCAA tournament will be bracketed and seeded. So this is a great time to be following uh, D3 Women's Basketball. No, I totally agree with you. Scott, thoughts on what we've been seeing of late? It's been fun watching top teams get pushed, right? We hoped for some more mayhem. Well, maybe not everyone was hoping for the mayhem, but uh, <laughs> a couple of UAA underdogs almost uh, took down the top team. Trinity, Texas was pushed. We saw Ohio Northern and Ithaca lose. And I think it's just it's fun for the entire game to see those top teams in tough games, whether they win or lose. No, I agree with you. Uh, definitely makes it more interesting and gives us something to talk about. Uh, all right, so we have a deep a deep dive, a dubious, and a debatable team from these fine gentlemen. Uh, I actually don't know who they've picked, but these two seem to get together behind the scenes craft a whole show together and leave me out of it but i enjoy it because it gives me some fun to dive into uh, our deep dive is a team who's not getting a lot of a top 25 attention or none at all even by any of the voters like uh, riley out there um and maybe they should or at least let's present a case for why they should maybe maybe you disagree uh, a, de- a debatable team is one that just it's out there we're going to have a conversation about and a dubious team is the opposite of a deep dive these guys think they're maybe a little too little too high in the poll, that they need to come down just a bit, or maybe totally. Uh, Riley, we'll start with you. You let me know, because I am flying blind here, sir. Do we start with dubious, deep dive, or debatable tonight? Why don't we uh, get the, the negatives out of the way first and, and go dubious? All right. All right. Go for Sounds it, sir. Good. All you. You know, I, I'm going to – this is a tough one, Dave. Scott and I were talking about it. At this point in the season, we're seeing a lot of teams pushed. Um, we're seeing a lot of teams lose. So it's kind of hard to, to evaluate, you know, who might be in this kind of dubious category. One that I did not have in my ballot but I expect will be in the top 25 this week is Ohio Northern. Uh, and, and, you know, they've been a tough team to figure out because it seems like as of late, you know, you look at their record – 21 and four um you know they're 15 three in the oac they're putting together a good resume but at the same time you watch them and a lot of the times and the results that they've had in games where they've ended up winning they just didn't put the performance down the floor that i would expect out of a team of their caliber and in a top 25 squad and so again this is tough i would say they're probably for me around 27 or 28 uh, but but compared to some of the other teams that are getting the attention right now nationally, uh, they they didn't make the cut for me. Um, you even look, you know, it's beyond just the double overtime loss to Muskegon uh, this past weekend. It's it's also you know a couple weeks ago they played at Capital and we're down 12 at half. And credit to them for coming back and winning that game. But in a lot of cases, that's a game you lose. And so I think sometimes as as voters, it's it's a, a challenge of evaluating the eye test versus the numbers and. You know, I, I guess for, for comparison, Massey has them 31, Scott has them 25. Uh, they're, they're right up there in the conversation, but not 34. a top 25 team for me. 
Go ahead. Scott. And I think when we're looking at the top 25 poll, the voters have the the luxury of looking at segments of the year, right? In a way that the NCAA committees cannot. And Ohio Northern is six and three over their last nine games and could have five or six losses instead of just three. And so it seems like the latter part of the season has been a little bit tougher on them. Uh, they have three games that meet my own criteria for a big game, which kind of looks at, you know, who the strength of the opponent that they're facing. And in those three games, they have a negative point differential and a negative rebound differential. And I, I just, I think we're seeing a team fade a little bit. That doesn't mean they can't turn it around, but I, I, I think there are at least 25 other teams that I would put into the top 25 before Ohio Northern. All right. I dig it. Okay. All right. Ohio Northern is one of our dubious. Scott, who's our other? Mine is State University of New York, New Paltz. Oh, wow. You uh, went to, to go... the whole full announcement. <laughs> I had to go down a little bit. So there's six others receiving votes. And kind of a nitpick for sure. But at this point, the voters haven't left us a whole lot. We've gone through a lot of the teams that we deem most dubious. And here's a team that they've beat no one in the Massey top 50. Their underlying stats do look good, but I think they just haven't played a high quality of opponents when when compared to the rest of the top 25, 30, 35 teams. So, I mean, they've beat Cortland, Geneseo, and Oneonta two times each. And it just, the overall body of teams that they have faced makes me want to not trust the winning percentage. So, as I've always said before, when you play a week schedule, it doesn't mean that you're bad. It just means it's harder for us to know where you are. And there, there is quite a body of teams that I would be putting into the top 25 before I put New Paltz in there. Okay. New Paltz on the table there, Mr. Zayas. Yeah, you know, I'd agree with you, Scott, from that standpoint. You know, you look at their their record, 18-0 in conference. It's pretty impressive. I like the win at Cortland a lot. Um, watched that game and, and really thought they played well. But at the same time, I can completely see where you're, where you're coming from. I, I don't have them in my ballot. I haven't actually considered them for my ballot, um, though they have been that national conversation. You know, you can only win the games in front of you, but in some of the games, especially in the early part of the season where they could have picked up some of those – you know, quality wins, um, you know, they played Messiah, they played, you know, uh, that was the, Messiah was the big one for them from my perspective and, and they ended up losing that one by seven. So I think it's hard to, in February, be evaluating results from November, but at the same time, you don't have much more to go on on New Paltz and that makes it a tough, tough sell for a top 25 team for me. All right, I like it. Got me thinking too, the, just for the record. So I like that. You got... Some interesting thoughts. I'm curious uh, now where we go. Uh, Scott, you get to choose. It's deep dive or debatable. That's the uh, two remaining choices. We're going to go deep dive, but one last point on New Paltz. Uh, sure. I realized today that when comparing just the, their NCAA resume to Ithaca, those two resumes are almost identical. Interesting. They are, there's almost nothing between them, I think, in the eyes of the NCAA committee. But we're going to go deep dive. This is going to be right. a UAA heavy show. Um, my deep dive is Emory. So they're eighth receiving votes in the D3 hoops poll from a week ago. And I think they've got some solid, solid wins. Chicago and Tufts, I think, look better now as the season keeps going on. They've also beat case. They've taken care of Case Western twice and Carnegie Mellon twice. And they all have also beat 
Colorado College. I like their underlying stats against a pretty strong SOS. So Emory is a great example of a team that I would, you know, I would consider for the back end of my top 25, where I'm probably not considering new Paltz, but Emory would be in the same range as an Ohio Northern, right? They're kind of all in this bucket where maybe they sneak into the back end of a top 25. My microphone was apparently off. Maybe nobody heard me earlier. Um, I like the Emory idea because I don't know. I think the UAA is a fascinating conference this year. On the I mean, it's great on the men's side. I think on the women's side, it's a little bit unknown, but it's fascinating. Seems some really good games in there. Riley, your thoughts on Emory? Yeah, when Scott told me uh, his, his pick of Emory, I really like that. I've, I've watched a lot of the UAA games this year. I've watched a lot of Emory's games and have really, really liked the product they put out on the floor. You know, this is the conversation that we've talked about for so long now it's the sos versus win percentage kind of conversation how do you view that you know emory is seven and six in the uaa uh but it's also probably one of if not the deepest conferences in the country you know emory has really challenged some teams and they've been consistent in that um it hasn't just been one or two games you look at nyu even this past week uh you know they went right down to the water nyu ended up pulling that one out by four but, but this is a team that really can shoot the ball. Claire Brock is fantastic from three-point range. They have all the parts and pieces there, uh, but it's just been a tough, tough way to evaluate them, I guess, because of the losses and you know barely staying above 500 in the UAA. But, yeah, this is definitely a team to keep an eye on. All right. Well, who's your deep dive choice? Yeah, and so mine is, is a team I, you know, I'm not voting for, but they definitely caught my eyes of late. And are in that you know pool A conversation. It's, it's Gettysburg, uh, the Centennial Conference. Uh, you know, you look at, at them. They they got a nice record, 19-6 overall, uh, 16 and four there in the Centennial. Finished second uh, behind Johns Hopkins. You start to look up and down their resume and some of the wins that they put together. They beat Randolph Macon firmly in that ODAC uh, title conversation right now. Randolph Macon is also regionally ranked. They beat Johns Hopkins twice which really says a lot for me being Johns Hopkins on the road, beat Misery Cordia, team ranked in Region 4. Um, they also have the win at Dickinson, which is a massive top 100 team. Um, and then they also have some good losses. You know, if, if you can categorize losses as being good, you know, they play Mary Washington really, really tough. They play Messiah really tough. Uh, those are two games that stuck out to me watching them back then and then now looking back on what they've accomplished this season. Uh, the other thing I really, really like about Gaysburg is they have four starters who have started all 25 games for them. Uh, they have one who started 24. says a lot about the chemistry and the cohesiveness of the team. And this is a team that if they find a way to win that Centennial Conference tournament and get into the NCAA tournament, uh, I would be keeping an eye on. They could could really surprise some people. Hey, I, uh, I know Gettysburg well. I call quite a few of their games. I'll be calling Friday's game, just for the record. Um not your prototypical Gettysburg team. Scott, I don't want to take your thunder, so I'll let you respond before I go off the deep end there. Yeah, I think they're great for a deep dive because I don't have a very specific feeling on them. I think they have they have some high highs and some low lows this year. I think sweeping Johns Hopkins during the regular season and the Macon win and the Dickinson win, like those are, those are solid wins, and there are lots of other great teams in the country that don't have – two to four wins of that quality. But at the same time, Gettysburg has lost to Washington, who continues to look worse and worse as the season goes on. They lost to Muhlenberg. 
unfortunately, right? They they had a good thing going and have yep. just kind of wheels fallen off recently. Yeah. Um, so maybe yep. get Gettysburg um, lost to them when they were a lot stronger, right? Which is something that. Mm. But no, about when but the anyway. wheels started coming off. <laughs> and so when you when you have these teams that have some good wins but also some bad losses, it's hard to know what kind of team you're going to get on a given night. But I think they are at least in the top 50 in the country, if not in the top 35. And there's a very good chance that we see them playing in the NCAA tournament. Listen, Gettysburg's a good team. They are not what we're used to. Um, they they aren't as deep in terms of a size of the bench. Uh, their talent isn't as incredible as we've had it, but that is a good coaching staff. It is one who gets the most out of their players. I think they're going to certainly have a possibility of getting to the NCAA tournament and making some waves. Uh, the win over Hopkins is impressive. Um, the one at the beginning of the season is very different than the one at the end of the season. The beginning of the season, that was a lousy, a lousy game. Uh, neither team played well to start. Hopkins ended up just not being able to do much with it in the second half at Gettysburg rolled them. That game in the sec- that second game, though, was completely different. Both teams playing very well at the time. So great choices. I love them. All right. So it, it I can choose this because it really doesn't matter. Um, we're down to only one choice. It is, uh, de- it is debatable for you guys. Um, and uh, Riley, we'll go with you. So debatable team, curious who your thought is on this one. Yeah, Dave, I wanted to debate Elizabethtown a little bit. Uh, yeah, they're a team in the landmark. They're picking up votes. They've been somewhat tough to evaluate because they're 20 and three. They have a good win percentage. Uh, they've, you know, their, their losses to, are, to, are to Scranton, uh, two of those. And, and, you know, they've beaten Washington Lee back in December. They beat Catholic um, twice, beat Catholic on the road, which was a pretty impressive win at that point in the season. Uh, took Scranton down to the wire, lost by seven, you know, uh, about 10 days ago or so. But then at the same time, you know, you, you go back and there's not a lot more than that. Um, at the same time, yeah, I, I think you, this is where you kind of have to evaluate where you balance the strength of schedule and the win percentage. I'm interested to get your take on this, Scott, um, kind of the way you're seeing it, but I, I think they definitely need to be in that national conversation. I don't have them on my ballot. Um, you know, I, I can't see that a lot of other voters would have them in there, but I think they need to belong in the national conversation uh, despite you know the lack of wins to some extent for quality. They're a fascinating team because – for the whole first part of the year, they were undefeated or close to it, but had played very little. And so you're you're just wondering, how real is this? And then they, they've they played Scranton tough twice. And so you start to think like, hey, you know, I'm seeing a quality team on the floor. They're taking one of the best five teams in the country right down to the wire. I think that this is a quality team. At the same time, they don't have a whole lot of really good wins besides, as you mentioned, Catholic and Washington and Lee. And we get this in Division Three, where maybe your losses are to elite teams and all your wins, you don't have one over a top 75 team. And we, we kind of wonder, are you a number 60 team or are you a number 15 team? And I think that's where we are with Elizabethtown because they're obviously a quality team. But we would love to see a game against like Ithaca or Cortland or DeSales or, you know, because kind of that mid-tier between a Scranton and a Catholic. And you just don't have that luxury of, being able to see opponents of every single segment of quality. I saw Elizabethtown at the very beginning of the season. Um, I've always thought they've been really good. First game of the season is tough to judge. 
but I've seen them a little bit since. They're a good team. If they cl- are clicking, they are a dangerous unit. But I think you you bring some good points up, uh, to say the least. It's hard to judge them, and I can totally appreciate that. Um, uh, and I've only seen them twice, so it's not like <laughs> I've got a wealth uh, of resources. I just remember walking away going, man, they've got a lot of great pieces in place. Um, all right, so that leaves us uh, Scott, right? It, we need your uh your debatable team. My debatable going back to the UAA, we're going to talk about New York University. So they were number six in the last D3 Hoops poll. And I am seeing a, a different team right now than earlier in the year. They kind of, because of how deep they went in the tournament, they returned, I think, just about everyone. I believe they were the preseason number one. Well, uh, no, Hope probably was. But NYU might have been close and then got to one mm-hmm. and then lost at a certain point and they didn't look so great in those losses that they took. Um, but they have looked like world beaters recently and a couple metrics that I use, I picked arbitrary thresholds, but I say, how many wins do you have against Massey top 50 teams and how many losses do you have against teams that are outside of Massey's top 30 and NYU has the most wins without a loss against a team outside of Massey's top 30. So there's seven and zero in my, homemade metric there and they've beat some really good teams and they've beat some of them pretty bad and i i would put them as high as two and no lower than four it's only a couple spots but at that point in the poll i think it's kind of a big deal and i think they will be scary once again yeah they could be right yeah uh, you know scott i can completely see that just for full transparency, I had him two in my ballot this week. Um, you know, at the same time, I can see how you might say, well, maybe they belong more in the four to five range. Uh, there, you know, you, you know, I think Dave, you had Coach Barber on right after they lost to Wash U yep. in Chicago, and since that point, NYU has looked really, really good. They've been really good at home. They're thirteen zero there. On the road is kind of where I have to to question a little bit. You know, even watching them against Emory, uh, as I as I mentioned earlier in the show, you know, this past Friday, they didn't look all that good, right? Emory hung with them, and it was a competitive game, but there was just some things there for NYU that weren't clicking. Uh, and at this point in the season, that's where you kind of have to question that a little bit. So, and at the same time, I would say just because of the other teams that are there. Uh, at the top, you have Transylvania and Scranton still undefeated. Um, the case could certainly be made to put an undefeated Scranton team above a NYU. Uh, I tend to favor SOS a little bit, so this is where I kind of put NYU ahead of Scranton this week. Uh, but certainly a lot of voters still favor the win percentage over the SOS. And in that case, the undefeated team would, would probably win out, whether that be Scranton or Transy. Yeah, no, I think uh, the Violets are, are a pretty – Interesting squad, not getting to play at home, too. There was some motivation there. You kind of wonder, maybe that little slide was kind of them under, you know, getting the news that they weren't going to be going back home. Who knows? Um, and the NCAA tournament coming up, how will that play a dynamic? No, good good choices, guys. Really appreciate it. I don't want to take too much of your time because you have a lot better things to do. I, I know you do. Um, you got to get ready also for to join us on uh, Sunday. I really appreciate it. Both these guys will be joining me to make our mock selections. I'm warning you now, this could be interesting. You guys just got done doing a version of it on Sunday um, for yourselves, your own stream. Admittedly, I have not had any time to watch it. I apologize, gents. 
uh something about arizona just uh, just i was doing other things um what is your overall if i gave you a quick question on it what is your overall thoughts on what we are probably going to go through uh coming up here uh next sunday as it were and uh, scott i'll start with you I think I am still like I, I can't wait for the third week of regional rankings to give more information for me to analyze. But I'm still trying to figure out how the committee is viewing certain resumes. When you look inside each region, it, it's pretty clear that that's absolutely a regional process. And those teams are ranked only against other teams in their region. If you kind of stick out in a bad way, you might get set to the side. But then when teams get thrown into the national conversation, they they are viewed differently. And we saw that in the top 16. I was surprised to see Whitewater, Tufts, and Washington University with winning percentages under 800 ranked very well in the top 16. And it's clear that the committee is going to value strength of schedule and results versus region ranked opponents quite highly. I wonder if if there is a winning percentage that is too low. And if so, what is that? Right? There are some teams that have winning percentages under 700 that have amazing parts of their resume and maybe they're close to 700, 680. But I don't know if that's kind of an inflection point for how they get viewed. And that's going to, absolutely going to be the toughest kind of resume for me to know where the committee will put them. And then kind of on the flip side, a really high winning percentage with that low SOS, like a St. John Fisher. Could they be in the mix for a late pool C if they need it? I have I don't know, right? Because based on how they're, they've been ranked in region and what we saw in the top 16, I, I don't feel a lot of certainty that I know. I think that's some good thoughts to chew on for the next week. Riley, yours? Yeah, I'd, I'd second what Scott just said. You know, when when he and I were, were doing the live stream yesterday, we kind of tried to do a little bit of this and talk through the process and show uh, you know, how you might do it with four teams on the national level um, of things where you're putting everyone on the table. You know, you have your 10 teams on the table. The, the biggest challenge, I think, is, is in evaluating how we're going to view the strengths of schedule as compared to the win percentage and finding those balanced resumes. On top of that, I'm interested. I had some conversations with some people today about the way conference tournaments and those results can affect uh, the way that we see the selection process. A team that takes a loss where we have a lot of teams with very close resumes right now, one that takes a loss, one that ends up with a win at a conference tournament this week could change a whole lot. So I think we're going to be referencing these conference tournament results, maybe more so than usual uh, with how tight some of these some of these teams are between regions. Well, I'll even add into that. Even a loss can sometimes be a good thing. Like the dynamic of who you played and or who others played. And I mentioned it with Dan Raymond. You know, some of these conferences are going to six or shrinking from eight to six or going from four to six, protecting the top seeds, still giving some others, but not having them take an extra hit to their SOS. There's some of that gamesmanship, but it'll be an extent, mm-hmm. and we'll see how that all plays out with the numbers. But, guys, Absolutely. appreciate it very much. Thanks so much for coming on. Look forward to having you down uh, on Sunday. And in the meantime, rest up. Rest up. Thanks, Dave. Thank Thanks, you, Dave. guys. Appreciate you having us on. Absolutely. Riley Zayas, Scott Peterson joining us. In the meantime, by the way, we're over $3,000 on our tote board. Thanks to the aforementioned John Krikorian, who has challenged everybody including myself, to raise the uh, the goal to 10000 And then on top of that said, everybody should be donating at least $50. I appreciate John for his support on that, and we hope you'll support us in our fundraising efforts. Uh, we're going to 
jumped off to the break here, pivot, come back, talk men's top 25 double takes with Bob Quillman. Uh, sorry, I was about to say Ryan Scott. He's not on. Bob Quillman, um, Matt Snyder, and Coach Mike Raniak will join us. You're listening to Hoops Hoopers and by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% will go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. It's on us. It's on all of us. 
and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. There it goes. It's gone. Welcome back to Hoopsville on this Monday evening. Jammed the show in, run a little bit behind, but when are we not running behind this time of year or period, as they say? If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Got a question in the email I actually saw just now uh, from Peyton. We'll get to your question, Peyton, in a bit. Uh, if you want to hang around, it's about at large chances. We'll jump into that in a bit. We just got done talking women's top 25. We'll talk men's top 25 here in a moment. But a reminder of our donation campaign. Um, we're over $3,000. Thank you very much for that. But uh, John Krikorian has made uh, it known that I was aiming too low, that I needed to be aiming for $10,000. So we have bumped it to 10000 and now he's challenging all of you to donate at least $50. That last part has not happened yet. John is the only one who's donated since. So uh, no pressure, but Coach K says that you should be donating to Hoopsville, and I'm going to use and abuse that every chance I get. Let's pivot talk men's top 25. Uh, the newest poll is out on the men's side, and I admit, while I retweeted it and I took a quick look at it, I didn't dive in because it's been a wacky day. So that's why I bring other guys on to do that heavy lifting for me, and that's interesting. Something's not working, so bear with me. We're going to have to quit that program and bring it back in. Um Ryan, uh, Ryan Scott uh, usually does some of that for us, and we appreciate the uh, work that he does. But I decided to go uh, in our final grouping of the season. And whatever reason, it is not working properly. Bear with me here a second, folks. Um, it just sometimes doesn't like us, and we have to kind of kick it. So uh, let's see. Oh, I know what's going on. Um, so we decided to go with um, Bob Quillman, of course, because... Bob's had a good uh, sense of what is going on in all the land. Oh, this is weird, guys. Just bear with us as we're dealing. It seems like our, our connection point every once in a while just quits on us. This is why we do it on another computer, because I like to add challenges to my life. Um, hold on, as we're just going to call it up one more time. Worst case, we're going to take a quick break and uh, do it another way. But hold on. There it goes. Good. It popped up as it should. Um Let's just do one other thing. There we go. And then pull that. And now I can join to the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline, even though my audio is there. Bear with me. I will kill that in just a moment. But the guys are here. That's the most important part. It is Bob Quillman. It is Mike Raniak. And it is uh, Matt Steiner. And gentlemen, thanks for joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline with your top 25. First and foremost, guys, you've got to be pretty thrilled with... Uh, how this, this season, season is kind of coming to an end. Bob, we'll start with you. No, no audio. audio. Odd. Odd. I know I why. why. I'm going to fix it. Just bear. So what happens when the computer decides to have its own mind on what it wants to do? So going to add this. Going to go there. Going to come up not there. All right. Going to take a break, folks. I'm going to fix this. Gosh, that technology sucks. We're going to fix it right now. This is why we need money into the funds to fix all this. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play. 
where they practice, where you cheer, at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal training and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. All right, we're back. The audio is a little different on my end. You're just going to have to get used to that because otherwise it was going to get brutal. So joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline to talk about the men's top 25 is Bob Gilman, Mike Raniak, and Matt Steiner. And just for the record, Raniak's talking about flavored toothpicks. That's where it goes when I'm dealing with tech issues. They go in the deep hole. See if we can get them focused back on the real topics. Top 25. Well, hold on. Now I can't hear you. How come I can hear you? It's ridiculous. Try this. You know what? Try that. Sponsored by Zero Picks. Your oh, flavor nice. toothpicks. <laughs> I'm literally going to, hopefully, going to... Uh, something hates me. Can everybody out there... Go ahead. Bob, give me a sense of what's going on in the final things going here. I'm going to watch the audio and see if everybody can hear you. Okay, so we don't know if anyone's hearing this, but... Yes. Try to catch everyone up. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. Dave just got back from Arizona. We don't know what the hell he was doing there. He had to cover this Yeshiva Farmingdale debacle, so he crushed that. Rainiac's got flavored toothpicks. Snyder made a program to make jump shots on a computer. And, uh, and it's conference tournament week. 
And, and there's just a lot of things happening right now. I don't know if Dave can hear anything that we're saying. No. Dave, can you it hear worked. It? We're going to um, go with this option. It worked. Ph phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, when you run a show where you're just like recording a Zoom meeting like me and there's no production, you, you can't break anything like this, Dave. So, <laughs> this is uh, true. Shouts to the Qcast right now. No, 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 no. Absolutely. The record and be simplistic has its purposes. There's a reason the KISS has a, has a place in the world. The problem is I did, and the rest of it broke, but I digress. All right, top 25. The last time we're going to have you guys on to debate all this. It's a fascinating finish here because I think when I was doing my top 25, I got down to 12. I didn't have everybody in the same order, but if I, like, jumped like I'm I, what I do is I put everybody in the top 25 how I voted for them and then I start putting everybody's records in that's my first step and how they did that week and so I'm going in order and by the time I get to a point where I might skip and go okay I'm out of order the top 12 was all the same just different spots after that nope fell apart so I got two reads on that everyone seems to have consolidated on who the top 12 teams are we have an understanding of who the best are up there. After that, it's an absolute free-for-all. Anybody have any other thoughts on that? Because that was kind of where my head went in the last two weeks. Yeah, I think for me, I've, I've had something similar. You know, my top, top 10, maybe 12-ish, have not changed too much. The order's flipped around, but I, I've consolidated pretty well on the top of my ballot. It's been the back half of my ballot that have some some teams churning in or out. And I think I see that nationally as well. Maniac, well I for me, like I messed it up. Like the first one I posted online, like I forgot WPI and like, thank God for um, it getting pointed out. It wasn't because like I take advice from all the, all the lovely D3 people that, that harassed me uh, about my poll. But like, I really did miss WPI because I was just shifting things around a little bit. The top 12, like you said, is pretty much the same. And after that, it is like really, I don't think that there's like much difference between 13 and 25, or in this case, 13 and 35, to be honest. Um, it's just, it's almost like there's two tiers of parity. There's parity in the top 12, and then there's a little bit of a drop off between the next like 20. And we're just going to shake it all out as the weeks progress here, especially with conference tournaments and NCAA coming in. Yeah, for me, I haven't really uh, like uh, drawn my own consensus on anything. If you're on my ballot and let's say you're ranked like eight and you have a crappy game, you could be gone. <laughs> and likewise, on the flip side, all of a sudden you could wake up and you can be on my ballot at about 10 and you weren't in last week. That just, I, I've grown comfortable with that. I've done that now with Case Western Reserve. I was all over them for being dubious for about six weeks on this show. Uh, who else? Williams? I've had to slink back in on Williams. They look great all of a sudden. So like every team I've beat up on, they're way up top of my pole all of a sudden. Every team that I loved, I got on Rainiac. He had Elmhurst out one week, and I shamed him on Twitter. Where did Elmhurst go? They're gone. So I don't care. It just is what it is. That's what I. That's my analysis, Dave. No, I agree with you. I've had teams where I have absolutely taken them that are top fifteen and just punted them. Um, 
it's a little weird because I don't think I've done that consistently before. All right, let's go into it. Um, we have dubious deep dive and debatable. I'm curious, Matt, you haven't had a lot to say. You're being a quiet uh, little licking your wounds still from the loss to hope guy. Uh, sorry, Ouch. couldn't resist. 13 and one conference champs, it's fine. Yeah. All right, all right. All right. Wish I had I mean, that problem. I, I pulled you out of my top 25 for it. No, I'm kidding, I did not. Uh, where do you want to start with? Um, let's do a deep dive. Ooh. All right. You want me to take it? Go for it. Okay. Um, my deep dive is Montclair State, a team I, I did not vote for them. I, I saw they received one full point this week. And um, I think Montclair State is a team who is interesting. They're 22-4 and four right now. Uh, they had a win in the NJAC quarterfinals. They're heading to the semifinals. They split the season series with Rowan, who's another good team in their conference. What they don't really have on their resume for the season is an elite win. They were 0-2 against Stockton, who's the other top team in that conference. Um, but I think where they're positioned, they've had, like I said, 22-4. and They have a lot of other good results, not elite results. If they were to you know, win a semifinal and then a final, win the NJAC tournament over Stockton and Rowan, I think we'd be talking about them as a very interesting team uh, entering the NCAA tournament. I think they're probably in either way, but as far as like a top 25 status, they get another couple of good wins, then maybe they're the team out of the NJAC that we look at ranking, kind of heading out of the conference tournaments and into the national tournament. And what's interesting in the NJAC is Kane got knocked out by College of New Jersey. Kane was actually having a good year too. They would have been the they would have been like the fourth team in that in that group. Um, I do think whoever comes out of the NJAC as that quote unquote champion. Um, they're they're poised for a deep run. I, I do believe I think they're going to be conference battle tested. Uh, I, I don't think that there's such like um, an eclectic style in that conference, um, but it's also like a style. The typically whoever wins the NJAC, you know, is poised because they have they're able to handle ball pressure significantly. There's, it's typically an up and down fast paced type of team that wins that conference. Um, I think other conferences they'll be paired up with in the tournament. It's not like it's going to be an NJAC versus an NSCAC or NJAC versus UAA. It's going to be one of those one big, le- one big leagues um, that I think that they'll, they'll be better than. So it, it's going to be interesting. Whoever comes out, I do think Montclair has a shot for sure. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't have won their first game. But, like, you know, I think getting past Rowan and getting past Stockton or whoever they face, that's going to be that's going to be their litmus test. Bob, yeah, they look they look good for Pool C, too. You know, Stockton and, and, and Rowan locks, and it looks like Montclair is also a lock. Um, Mike, I think we could have cool matchups. You could see NJAC versus NSCAC, NJAC versus UAA, mm-hmm. uh, you know, NYU versus Montclair. You could come up with a, a cool matchup based on who's in, and that's one of the cool things we're going to see. And I, I think, like, just like you said, it's um, typically we don't see that. This year, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I, I, I agree, absolutely. I like the pick. It's an interesting thought on it. I don't... NJAC's got to still prove things to me. I, I love them. I think Rowan's a good team. I'm, I'm waiting to see... Uh, listen, I know Stockton got to the second weekend, but... 
the, the, the story was because Yeshiva had already peaked and it's fallen off and Hopkins was stuck in a quagmire. And that's not, I know it sounds like I'm knocking Stockton, but I, I'm waiting for a team to really take it by the, the horns and really make a run. And I'm just not sure we're going to see it this year, but we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. All right. Next deep dive. Uh, we'll go to Raniac. Why not? Who do you want, sir? All right. Well, this is a really big, 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 big deep dive. All right. And let me let me um, preface yeah, this in the fact it's that deep, sir. It is very deep because based on just what Matt said with with Montclair like winning five games to go into the NCAA tournament deep drive, um, I'm gonna go a similar route, and and I'm gonna go with Hobart. And and now, mind you, we we can't pick deep dives from like there's like everybody's picked the deep dives I wanted to go with. So like <laughs> yeah, that's your I excuse. Went, uh, yes. So I went between that and flavored toothpicks. I went and researched, you know, kind of, you know, I, I've been watching this team for a while. And, and I, yes, I'm in New York. I'm picking Hobart. Okay. And the reason is I really enjoy watching them play because of their style and kind of what's going on. I think they have the makeup to win that conference outright because a lot of the heavy hitters in that league, in my opinion, aren't as strong as, as what guy we were big on early on and now they're not as strong i feel like st lawrence is the two seed in that tournament but i think st lawrence is is flawed in many different um many different ways hobart they're they're one of the tops in the country in rebounding margin they're plus 13 which is absurd they have a phenomenal player in jackson meshenek uh six seven guard 21 points a game um you know he's and he's only doing that in 30 minutes which mind you that's that's impressive um and i feel like just their biggest loss was oswego by 12 and i am very i think oswego is potential final four worthy and that was early on in the season um they have the best support staff that I've ever seen on a, on a website. They got like director, manager of communications, manager of no, but seriously, um, I just think they have the makeups to make a deep run. Cause if they make, if they win the Liberty league, I think at you heard it here first. Okay. They will be top 25 by, by our final poll. I guarantee it. If they win the Liberty league, they have the makeups to go deep against some of these other teams, and and they're well coached by Stephen Thompson, who was also a baller back in the day, and so he gets winning. I honestly think that they have the makeup, because size, everything across the board, rebounding travels, they defend well, they're plus eight a game. I'm going with Holbert as my deep dive because everything else was taken. I like flavor two picks. <laughs> go statesman. I like it. I like that one, and that's that league is. I think it's it's up for grabs at this point. What you know? Why couldn't they win that tournament and get in? So it, that that region three picture is crowded right now. After you, you get you, you go Oswego, Rochester, Utica, but then after that, you know, you're like Nazareth, Cortland, Ithaca, Brockport, RPI, whoever comes from the skyline. So like it's there for the taking. So yeah, I, I like that. I thought Hobart was a really interesting team in November. They had that Oswego loss, like you said. They had a win over Rochester, which looked great at the time. Since then, I just really haven't seen any results to 
that have surprised me to the positive. Um, so I would be, I would be, I think that league is open uh, for someone to win it. But I would be surprised if, um, at this point, if Hobart makes a ton of noise down the stretch. We'll talk to you in March. Matt, I'm looking Matt, forward to it. Matt, I'm with you. They might win the Liberty League, but that's, I think, where the headline ends. Yep, okay. Bob? I wanted to go with other nine, five, 95 other deep dives, but you've made restrictions. <laughs> I'll go uh, deep dive. So, again, Dave has a spreadsheet where all the dubious debatables and deep dives for the whole season are claimed and he's trying to keep us to where we don't repeat so i said i'm going to take deep dive in a totally different way i got into a twitter thing today with with a dude that was his point was why do they let people in from all these crappy conferences his word not mine. we get into that every year yeah so i wanted so here's my deep dive and my deep dive is for all the folks in like the CSAC is gonna be in particular. So Cairn and Wilson are the one and two seeds respectively in the CSAC. And that's a one bid league. There's many one bid leagues. But I tell you what, think of, does that matter to the kids at Cairn and Wilson and the rest of that conference tournament? No. Do you think it means any less to them? It means more. They have no other path in if they lose in that tournament. And so, um, you know, people love the Division One tournament because everyone gets in and Cinderella. But sometimes in Division Three, we forget that it's the exact same thing. So whoever represents the SLIAC and the Skyline and the CSAC and just go down the line, um, I guess this is just a, my deep dive is a reminder to say there's a lot of teams from leagues like the CSAC and this means just as much to those student athletes on the men's and women's side. What do you think about that, Dave? No, I love the shout out. I mean, I'm not, I, I noticed you restrained yourself from saying if they won the conference, they would absolutely be a top 25 team and that they would make think... waves in the NCAA tournament. I noticed you restrained yourself from going down the Rainiac road. He guaranteed some stuff. Yeah, I'm not going to guarantee Everybody talked about that. Elmhurst and I love Elmhurst. I love Elmer's. I I got roasted about that. You did. Yeah. But don't worry. Don't they're worry. riding okay. high. Yeah. I don't know. I, if Wilson wins the CSAC, I I don't think they're going to crack the pole. They might. They could go on a run and then then they're in. But I'm not going to guarantee it like Mike just did. <laughs> no, was your theme from a few weeks ago? Everyone can make it to uh, Fort Wayne. So maybe it's, it's Wilson. <laughs> Fair. All right. There's our deep dives. Um, two are pretty solid. Uh, Bob, where do you want to go next? I'll go. I'll go debatable. So my right. my debatable. Um, again, I'm going to take this a little different direction. I looked on the sheet. I found a team that was available, and I I used it to that I'm going to tell a narrative about this too. So Keene State, um, not the. I love Keene State. I've been voting them near my top five ever since that the uh, the Great Lakes Invitational game. Whoever it is. I, I'm getting this all confused. Whoever they, they beat and looked awesome, whatever that game was, um, that played at Wabash. Um, my debatable point is just simply the difference of the top 25 opinion of Keene. We have them number five, I believe, right? Did, did they move up? I didn't look. We, they were five, I believe. No, they didn't. They're still five. They're five. five. So they're five in the top 25 poll. 
those of us that vote in the poll, we watch a lot of games, we think we know what we're talking about, we have them five. In the NCAA criteria, I don't think they have any chance to host the first weekend. They uh, they have an SOS of .518, and their RRO wins, are, they're better than they were. They have three. But when you look, they weren't in the top 16 reveal, right? They were not in that with a 960 now winning percentage. And so it's really the, the debate is just the divergence between the top 25 and the criteria. Look on the flip side, Rowan is is knocking on the door of being like a top four seed in the whoa, whole whoa. tournament. They're close, they're close. Yeah, but that, that top 16 came out before they took another loss. Well, then, then, they're, then they're you're still there. there. They're still, they're, they haven't moved. They're like five, six, seven. They're right yeah. there, David. Or, or, or flip Stockton, if you want to pick Stockton, say Stockton. We yeah. are not voting highly, at, if at all, on Rowan and Stockton, and they're going to be seated. They're going to both host. Rowan and Stockton will both host first weekends. Yeah. My, point my gut says no. Oh, no, it's a, Dave, it's a lock. Rowan and well, Stockton. Well, because no, one of them's still... taking another loss, at least. Uh, I Doesn't think matter. they could both take another uh, loss. I, think, I don't think they're going to do it. I'm now, I'm, now I'm going to guarantee. <laughs> I'm in the guarantee business all of a sudden, Dave McHugh. Yeah. Let's do it, Mike. No. Here's my point. My point is it's crazy how the different ways to evaluate are so incredibly different. Um, yeah. I'll throw one more out there is like, I'm telling you what, Carlton is a great basketball team. If they lose in the Mayak tournament, they're probably out. Um, same with Barry, they're yeah. probably out. Same with Calvin. Calvin is a fantastic basketball team that would probably be out. So I'm just saying, like, the, the eye test does evaluating teams versus their criteria. Holy cow, it can be a mile apart. That is, that's my debatable. I, I don't even know if I'm debating. I'm just, I'm just saying. That's all. You guys can comment if you want. By the way, the Carlton issue is all about the Mayakins and its scheduling. They, they have got to blow up that system because there are good teams in that conference that keep getting left out of the tournament because they play way too many conference games. We've said They're that a hundred times. playing a double round robin with a lot of teams, and hey, credit to them. They haven't pulled the scam that that other one league pulled. It's not so, a scam. Stop it. Kind of a scam. That's nah, kind of not. Uh, kind all of right. Mike, debate. Do, do you want to debate that? I, I honestly, like, this is from a, a coach perspective. This is where I always, like, when it comes to numbers and things like that, like, this is where you're either on one side of the fence or you're on the other. Like, the eye test to me, like, Keene State, they're phenomenal. Phenomenal. And they have the makeups to to go to Fort Wayne. But the fact that they're, they can't host and they're 24-1, like, what else more do you want? Like, they lost to Middlebury. What else more do you want? Like, seriously, they burned the right. And I know they're in the middle of, like, an oasis of Keene, New Hampshire. Like, basically, you drive up 91, nothing but maple syrup cans for, like, two hours. And then you then you encounter, like, this gorgeous gym. It's awesome. But, like, the 24 and 1, like... They should be able to host, and that's where I have an issue for the same reason for the same those uh, the coaches out there that go like, like, hey, I got to shoot how many threes per game, and then we're going to win. And the stat like you got to coach by feel, like in my opinion. So like, and I know there, you, anytime you enter subjectivity with 
rankings and and strength of schedule and things like that, it, it becomes blurry. At least with strength of schedule stats, you know, it's a little bit more black and white schedule. But to me, like the fact that they're not potentially not being able to host, that is that is a tragedy. Well, remember, Lancaster Bible was sitting one game away from not even being in the NCAA tournament as a one-loss team. I, I, I know the resume wasn't great, but there's that win-loss conversation. Yep. We've been having it for quite a while. I've said well, the SOS have, takes too much weight. Mm-hmm. Matt, any thoughts? The only thing I'll add is 3,000% Rowan and Stockton are both hosting the first weekend. That's that's a lock. Okay. Lock it in, Dave. Lock We're it in. See, I know that things, there's Dave. other factors. I know there's We're other factors. guaranteeing things. I love oh, it. This is oh, great. Hold on. Other factors. Hosting history factor. There's factors. You're going to lose a host to Texas. I've already yeah. accounted for that one. Yeah. You're going to lose hosts in other locations due to geography or some other You'd have to lose twist. about eight hosts to get to where those yeah. two would not be hosting. I, yeah. I, one of them takes another loss, and SOS numbers shifts. I, I, I SOS don't... is going up. Yeah. All right. I, I, just, I just don't think you're going to see it with you how you think you're going to see it. When so, Matt and I agree on something, so. we got to be honest, it doesn't happen often. So we, You two agreed on something powerful. last year, and I was right. That's a fair point. Are we talking to sales? To sales, I'm, yeah. I'm being Norway here. I'm Norway. <laughs> Norway? The sales. Switzerland. <laughs> Switzerland, that's it. The wow, we've gone off the deep end. Let's get back on track. Who, who's who got their debatable left? Carol. Uh, I have one, Does, too. Uh, I'm going to go with John Carroll. And, uh, and debatable more so... Because I was thinking about, obviously, you know, like we talked about, we've taken out a lot of teams, but debatable because preseason, we talked about how they had all these transfers coming in. Preseason unranked. They slowly continue to take care of business and slowly continue to be, um, uh, continue to prove themselves. They're led by, um, a phenomenal kind of group, but in particular, they have a, a great point guard in Chicoin, or uh, where he's averaging like five assists a game from Youngstown. Um, they have the makeup to be obviously national champs, and, and they're already conference champs. But the debatable thing is, and I'm going to tie in Case Western with this as well because they're also a notable team that has brought in a ton of transfers. With the makeup now of Division Three, are we going to start to see more of this where a complete reload? Because last year, John Carroll was like two and like 50 in their conference. This year, conference champs. Case Western, prior to two years ago, average below in the in the UAA Todd McGinnis said hey this is the route I'm going to take I brought in Griffin Corniker from Middlebury and all these other transfers did it again are we going to start to see this kind of makeup where now you got almost like the D1 and D2s have done it for a while and we talk about transfer portal are we going to start to see it now more at schools that have that leverage in division three well, no, I, I think, think the it, big part of that, Mike, is the the fifth year from COVID right. is a big yep. part of what you're saying. Like I was, yep. I was looking at the CCIW All Conference team today, 
realizing that Wheaton's two first-teamers are guys that are fifth-year guys. Tyson Cruikshank got to come back for a fifth year, and I'm very happy he did. And they brought in TJ Askew, an all-conference guy from CMS, as a fifth-year guy at Wheaton. So a lot of what you're saying, Mike, it's absolutely true. And 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 the fifth year is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And I that's think it's two, true. We two more years to that. On the short range, I don't think it becomes a pattern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because eventually this is going to time out. Yeah, two more years. Yeah. I, I, that's, and that's, that's kind of, I'm, I'm interested to see, like, because if I'm, if I'm, if I'm going back into coaching and I'm seeing the makeup, like, Chacoin's a sophomore, I think, and, and Frazier, who leads them, he's a sophomore. So, like, we're not even talking about five-year scenarios. We're talking about transfers from legit Division ones. Is that going to become a path for recruiting? Now, for D3 programs that have that avenue, to kind of almost, like, go into, like... But that avenue's always been there. Yeah, but, like, this year in particular, I feel like it has been more pronounced. It's continuing to be pronounced more. Maybe with the fifth year... I think with that one, though, it's unique because... Yeah, uh, Luke Ciccone is is the head coach's nephew. It's his sister's son, you know. And so, like yes, them sir. getting him, they they tried to get him out of high school, and then he's got connections to the other guys that came. Mm-hmm. So that one's unique. And the other thing is, like a lot of these D threes are recruiting these kids. You know, you always try mm-hmm. to recruit higher than D three, mm-hmm. and and you lose them to wherever Youngstown. But you hope that they boomerang back someday, right? And sometimes that happens. I think this is more a fifth-year COVID uh, extra year thing than it is a D1 transfer thing, is my opinion. I agree. I had a great debatable topic. Thank you, guys. That was phenomenal, dude. I had to make up for your deep dive. So my debatable team, if we're ready for this, is uh, Johns Hopkins. Um, They're number seven. I voted for them number seven as well, but here was the debate I had. Um, they split the season series with Swarthmore. They had a win earlier in the season against Mary Washington. Those are their two massy top 50 type wins that they have. Now I look around at most of the other teams in the top 10. I think most of them have more than just two top 50 type wins. So I was wondering for myself and, and maybe if you guys have opinions on Johns Hopkins, is are they this good? I think probably yes. Or are they a team that's kind of just floating around here and benefiting from getting pretty good results against a pretty good res- schedule without maybe any more of those top tier uh, type results that we maybe are used to from a number seven type team? I'll add one caveat. Tom Corey's out for the season. Yeah. I mean, that's that's huge right there. Yeah. Now, I left him at nine. Did I leave him at nine? Sorry, I moved him from 10 to nine because Swarthmore lost. So I was moving some pieces. Because they're still winning and they're deep. Now, I've seen them in person several times, so I've got a different perspective on them. But I've also had my concerns. They're a little slow out of the gate sometimes. The Tom Corey injury has me a little concerned, but I also know they've got pieces when Corey's not playing well that have played well. So I'm in wait-and-see mode. Yeah, they're a deep team. It's not like Corey's a guy that averages 22 points a game. I think he averages like 14. Correct. And they, they do have a lot of talent behind him. That said, he is, if he's not the heart and soul of the team, he's in the top two of that conversation, right? Yeah. So I, 
I think there's a couple situations playing out that are just the same for me. CMS lost their uh, their point guard, who's an absolute stud, Brian Kenyon. And so, like, you're, I, I have stopped voting for CMS because, you know, the, the top 25 poll to me, it's like, how do I view that team right now and moving forward? Without their starting point guard, I think they're about a number 38 team, but I don't think they're 25. Um, Johns Hopkins, without Corey, I'm, I'm still voting for him too. But that's a great one, Matt, because I, I just don't know if I can expect them to do much moving forward without him. He's a great player. Listen, Tom's probably watching the show, and I hope he doesn't hate me for this. And I say that seriously because I bumped into him at a high school game. I noticed this year Tom wasn't the same Tom Quarry as years past. And as and and while he's leading the team in scoring, I get that. I, I don't think he seemed as dangerous a shooter as he's been. And maybe I've got the wrong read. And so my opinion on it is yes, he's out, but because of that depth, they're already in a position to replace. Again, wait and see. I could be dead wrong on that. But that's kind of where my my mind went with it. And by the way, I'm still voting for CMS. I know he's out. But again, it seems like they're doing okay. And, and I know it's as we've respected the, the conference and how well they're playing. They just beat Redlands without him. So, yeah, I watched the Redlands game and I was like, I just screwed this up because they look awesome. So, like, yeah, I'm almost <laughs> I'm almost back on them now. In fact, I'm waiting for that Pomona game. But uh, yeah, you're you're right. Fair. Sometimes guys step up. And yeah, I think great. Big wait and see mode, just like Dave. Like, but more so, like I, I vote him high because more so because Coach Josh, you know, he he's created this culture now of winning, yes. where it is very significant. Freshman, you you step in, and he's completely transformed that program. So kudos to Josh, you know. And I think like they're gonna Johns Hopkins is all now just like Swarthmore. They're gonna be deep. They are, like, and like the the quality of talent that they get. Yes, Tom Corey is a is a loss, and I don't think you can replace that. Um, but I still think they're going to go deep. I, I just, but how deep now? Obviously, I think that's going to be effective. Uh, By the know. way, they have a cousin of um, Matisse Thibault, so you know, obviously, they must be great, right? Easily. 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 <laughs> Sorry. I just wanted a name drop for the fun of it. No, I, I, I like Matt, it, it, I'm debating because I do know those dynamics. I think it's a great great one to have. Great one to have. Uh, so we're good. We're done with debatable, right? So that leaves us with the uh, the oaf so famous dubious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, and this this concerns me a little, we start with Raniac, right? You can go with Matt Snyder. I'll I'll say Ooh. mine. Matt, it is in your ball. Okay. <clears throat> I'll share my dubious. Uh, it is Middlebury. They checked in at number 18 in this poll, so I'm not really necessarily dubious of their poll position. I know they've slipped, uh, but I'm the 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 reason I picked them is. I think they peaked a month ago at the wrong time. I'm dubious of, of their position right now. They Last month they had big wins against Williams and Keene State, and they looked great. They were looked as good as anyone in the country. People were voting. I think I was maybe voting them number three somewhere around there. 
you. Um, but they have one win in their last four games. It was an overtime win, which means if you want to find their last regulation win, you have to go to January to find that. Um, and that's that's big. I mean, you're heading to the NCAA tournament. They're already sitting on the bubble. They've lost in their conference tournament. They're going to get their name called. But as we go into the NCAA tournament, if they lose a first weekend game, we're going to look back at their schedule and just say, what what happened to Middlebury here? Uh, I think 18 is an appropriate spot for them. I think that was right around. I voted them for 20. They ended up at 18. So I, I'm not really dubious of that. But just kind of as that team in the direction, I'm not really sure of what's happened. It's a great call because I had them as high as number three, I think. And even after they lost, was it they lost it like at Wesleyan, I want to say. Yeah. And I didn't do much to them after that one. Yeah. And then it was the Connecticut College next. So... I'm still probably higher than everyone else because I just, I'm like, they're awesome. They're great. Like, I still have that Keene State game stuck in my head and the game at Williams. I mean, they took it to Williams at Williams. Um, I don't know what's going on or how that team could be on the struggle bus, but they are. Um, they're still in pretty good shape. If they can if they can get it together now, um, they're, they're pretty good shape to host. Uh, a first weekend, right? They're almost yeah. a lock to host. I don't want to get Dave Matt on that one too. I think Matt, they're in good hosting shape, right? I think so. I think they'll host. Yeah. So if they can get it together, they're going to be okay. But it's a great dubious because they're not playing like they were. In week ten, I, I had them seven. I took them to twelve, and now I have them to twenty-one. And I voted them twenty-fifth. Um, I honestly don't know what's going on. But I was watching that Tufts game this weekend, and um, right, wrong, or indifferent, um, they couldn't put the ball in the ocean from three. Like, they were like 5 of 23. Like, he, I'm, I'm looking at the box score. Um, like, 5 of 23, we have uh, some players going 0 for 9, 0 for 4. Um, I think that's when you become just one-dimensional, like with Sobel in the paint. You become more guardable, and Tufts became that, um, where they were able to defend it pretty well. So, if I'm going against them, my goal is to run them off the line, and then you know make it a two point game because like if if they're shooting well, then obviously they're dangerous because then you got the inside and outside combo. But if you're not hitting from outside, it's just, and it's Sobel down there, like you can double team, triple team, one guy ain't gonna beat you. They're the perfect example of like the bell curve of team perception this year, because I was looking at our sheet and November 17th show dubious Matt Snyder, Middlebury. So Middlebury's dubious. Then we all loved Middlebury for about five weeks or whatever it was. Now we're all back to them being kind of like, huh? you could say that about 20 teams at this point they just maybe they started high or they started low and they went in different directions it's the perfect example of this season and not having any idea what's going on half the time yeah totally agree uh i think the what's scary to me is alex sobel is so such a great player Mm -hmm. but i think the argument is absolutely valid We've seen this before. We've talked about it, how Marietta sometimes had, in the past had peaked a little early, came into the NCAA tournament more on the down than on the up. And last year seemed to have figured it out, got to the Final Four. Hack Amherst stumbled its way into an NCAA tournament a few years back playing 500 ball. 
sometimes you just find the timing wrong, and, and I fear that's what's happened to Middlebury. I really do. Definitely on the line. And now they lost in their conference tournament, so now you got the extended break. That could either be really good reset. Yeah. Well, it, it, it has definitely worked in the favor of some. It's yeah. definitely worked in the favor of some. But we'll see. Um, I like it. Uh, who's next? Uh, I'll, I'll go on, uh, Dubious. I saw on the, on the sheet that on the January 16th show, Ryan Scott had a combo where his Dubious was Hopkins and Swarthmore. And so I see Matt and I have kind of exploited a loophole, and we've, we've used <laughs> both of them now. So he had Hopkins as debatable. And I've got Swarthmore as my dubious. And I allowed it. Yeah. And so here's the deal with Swarthmore. Uh, again, look, anyone that hears me coming uh, to them on dubious, they should just jump up and down. It means you're going to win your next eight. But um, <laughs> I think Swarthmore is a great team. I just don't know if they're eight or or 29. I, I mean, I, I mean it. So I, I look at their wins. Okay, they beat Rowan. What if I'm dubious on Rowan? Okay. Wesleyan, DeSales, Hopkins. What if I'm kind of dubious on Hopkins? Muhlenberg twice. They lost to Widener. They lost to Hopkins. They lost to Gettysburg just recently. Uh, I always ask myself, like, you know, as a salty fan of a team that's lost a lot of games this year, I always ask, like, what would Swarthmore's record be if they had Illinois Wesleyan schedule? I, I think they'd have, like, six losses, and we'd, we'd, we'd rank them differently. I don't know if they're a good team or a great team. Um, I watch them and they look very skilled and they play well and they're obviously well coached. Um, I have them pretty high on my ballot, by the way. So me saying I'm dubious on them doesn't mean I'm voting them low. Check out my ballot. Um, I just don't know how to separate them from anyone else that I'm voting in, in the top 25. So that's why I have them dubious. The lost to Gettysburg hmm. definitely I mean, I know Gettysburg's an up-and-comer, and 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 I and I, and I BJ is doing a phenomenal job there. They started out at, horribly. Yes, and have. But they, flipped. I will say this: Gettysburg is not at Swarthmore's level, in my opinion. At the but, beginning of the season, I thought that it'd be a three to four horse race with Gettysburg in it. And when the season started, I changed my mind real quick because mm-hmm. Gettysburg did not look good. Mm-hmm. I I'm not surprised that they finally got SWAT. I'm just surprised it was that game. I, I thought they would have caught him s- sooner. Yeah. So yeah. that's where I'm surprised because I thought I I thought SWAT knew what was at stake. I think if they had won that, they would have been the top seed. Yes. So that's where that's I'm, the one that makes me really right. like Paul. That's where I paused. Yeah, because and I and I dropped them to twenty second because I know they're good, and I know that they belong in the conversation. But now, between Johns Hopkins and Swarthmore, I I just don't know. I'm just a mess in the Centennial right now because like it seems like every year, like I don't know, you know. No. And I know they're both they're very mirroring programs. Good coaches, good programs. Now culture of winning, you know it's. No, they're I very agree. Much I don't know if they, if they have Illinois Wesleyan schedule. Are we even talking about them right now? I honestly don't know. I think that's a hard one to compare. I, I don't know how Landry would coach. You know, like he, he seems to adapt well. 
So I, I think we made similar comments when they ended up in the championship game against Oshkosh. And that's not a fair comparison because the talent was different. I'm not trying to direct line that. I'm just saying Landry Kozmowski seems to get a lot out of his team, and so maybe I'm leaning a little on that. I've got him pre- not pretty high. I've got him high. But the difference is, too, if I were to move them, they would plummet. And it's not because of them. It's just there is a jam of teams that trying to wedge them in somewhere is almost impossible. And it happened today. I moved half a dozen teams significantly because there was this block of teams that I couldn't wedge them in between, and so they ended up at the bottom. So if I were to move Swarthmore significantly, they're going to go from where they are to the bottom five. Like that. I think the other challenge with Swarthmore and, and every team schedules its own for its own reasons, and I don't fault anyone for how they schedule or why. They're not a team that goes out of their their geographic area yeah. all that much when they schedule, right? So you don't get some of these cool opportunities to see, like you know, like the games that Marietta plays, for example, or games that St. Joe went out and played in South Dakota. So you're you're left to evaluate Swarthmore in a kind of a smaller geographic area and so yeah like if they played Wheaton or they played Oshkosh or Lacrosse or they played Calvin like what would that look like and and I don't know the answer it it might be great for them I just I don't know the answer well for for SWAT and Hopkins and I'm still voting Swarthmore 10 I'm still voting them really high take out each other and there's just not a lot of good games altogether much less good wins i'm with you bob I, I would love to see them get out of that region geographic region in the non-conference and go and play some of these teams um and and it challenge yourself a little bit i know i they, they played a fine schedule i think they played a good a good schedule their conference is there's another pretty good team in there uh but yeah i, I think we're lacking on really top-notch uh, opponents and top-notch wins and we're relying on games versus pretty okay teams and the Centennial has really, over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. right, wrong, or indifferent, has become SWAT and Johns Hopkins. No, that's – I agree with you until this year. Okay. Uh, it, it's growing. Now, unfortunately, Franklin and Marshall took a major injury coming out of the Vegas Classic, or yes. I think they're in the mix. It, I gutted that Bravo, and he's not back 100%. Yep. Muhlenberg peaked early. Unfortunately, but they were in the mix. Gettysburg finally figured it out. That conference is changing. I agree with you. That has been the, that has been. And I I think like up and coming, like I think Muhlenberg, I think Gettysburg, um, Franklin Marshall, minus the Andrew, obviously. I think those are coming in the wings, but they haven't been there. No, agree. Absolutely agree with you. Yep. And been there. It's been a two horse race. Yep. Yep. And I do wish Swarthmore would schedule better. I would love to see him out in Vegas. It'd be a perfect testing ground for him. But we'll see. Uh, do we have a dubious left? I feel like we have a dubious left. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. you do. Oh, oh yeah, you do. Uh, so now we're going to go with... I'm staying in the NESCAC. Hobart? I'm going to go with I'm gonna go with Williams. Oh boy, we're going there. You're sucking me into this. I'm going into it um, because, and it's not because I coach at Amherst. And this red eye is coming back quick. Um, No, but my 
I, I, they're very talented and I was, and I still vote them like, uh, I think I had them at 11th this year, uh, this, this last poll or 10th or something like that. But now I think honestly, just very similar to Middlebury, I think they're kind of on the downward and I feel like Tufts is now rising. I know Tufts is playing hot. Like I really, I think now they've started to figure out some things. I think Tufts might be the best in that conference now. I, and I will say this, Williams is going to be the biggest team any team plays in D3 this year. Whoever faces them, they're like about like six inches taller, but they're not physical bigs. They're, they're only out rebound their opponents by two, right? They have some good guard play, but some of the results like at home, like they're going to host, right? But, you know, they lost to Tufts by 21 at home. They lost to Middlebury by five at home. They lost to Amherst and Amherst is having a tough year. Um, New Paul's, um, Rice coach, like they, they brought them down to the wire and almost beat them at home. And that was late in the season. I'm just not sold on them. And Colby is now going into their house this weekend for NESCAC. And I think that they have a lot to prove and they're fighting for their lives. And I think like, despite their size, like I just honestly, I, I, I feel like last year, Williams was a better team because they had a big um, a kid by the name Jones that was a role player, but like he he was physical, he got boards and he was strong and he was big six six big that got rebounds and big. I don't see that on this team. They're tall, yes. They shoot threes, yes. But essentially, you're just putting out six seven guards, and with no inside presence. That's why Middlebury beat beat the snot out of them. And I think like, this is going to be an interesting tell. Like, are they, I, do I like them as a team? Absolutely. Who wouldn't like, you know, six, seven across that can shoot threes. I'm just saying, I have a feeling when it all shakes out, we're going to be like, wow, maybe, maybe there might be a little bit. We got sold something that maybe wasn't what it was i've struggled with with them all year i've been pretty public about that and for a while i had them out of my ballot because i i didn't think that they had a good win as recently as like i don't know february 1st or into february i just didn't feel like there was a good win on there and um i put them back in because i just felt like i was stupid if i didn't I, i look at them and they're so talented i'm like i have to get them in there because they're really good um, I will say that with them, A, something seems off. You know, I watched the New Paltz game, and that went down to the final seconds. That shouldn't happen, right? That, that, should, that was at Williams. Um, and, and then B, um, I, I think it depends on matchups. Like if they played a physical team, yes. um, not even a huge, like a Randolph-Macon physical, but or like a lacrosse physical that you don't think of them, but lacrosse or um, if they matched up with a team that got after it, I, I don't know if that's that's a good. Now, if they play a bunch of finesse teams in the tournament on the way to Fort Wayne. Wipe the floor with them. They'll wipe the floor. Yeah, they, right. They can make it, you know, like example, 
NYU versus Williams would be a fascinating game. Um, and, and they're very different teams, but Williams would 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 probably do okay there. But Williams versus you pick a team that's physical, and, and I think that that's another story. So I'm fascinated to see how Williams does. I, I really don't know what to make of them. And it's it's tough with that NESCAC schedule, only playing the single round robin. Yeah, I know they schedule some of these teams out non-conference as well, but we don't really get to see them. What are they really truly like inside the conference? And they didn't really put together the best non-conference schedule in the world. So I think we're only left with a handful of conference games. It's a strong conference, but just playing through the league once, not even a time and a half, I think it left us um, with some difficulty in assessing how really do they stack up against these other teams in the league? And to try to compare them nationally, I think has been even more difficult. I will say, I think it was, did they play Colby at the end of the NESCAC season at Colby? Was that the game I'm thinking of? Or was it Connecticut College? Connecticut Somebody, College, probably. Connecticut College. Road game, I'm picturing on the stream. Yeah. They wiped the floor. Right. I, it was like 38 to 10 or yeah. something. And I, they that's won by my, 40. Yeah, that's when I was well, like, I got to get those guys back in. They're pretty good. I mean, and that was a talented. Connecticut College team who, what, the night before they, wiped the floor with? Middlebury? Middlebury. Middlebury, 60 to 49. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that right, that was back-to-back nights, and Williams looked so good. Oh, they good. destroyed them. And they looked like they were playing with passion. They looked yeah. like they were mad yep. and that they, they were getting after it. They were making baskets, and they were celebrating baskets in it. So which Williams? I, I don't know who the real Williams is, but they're they're as talented as anybody. I know that. Mm-hmm. It's yep. just like you said, it's gonna be it's gonna come down to matchups, right? And like I'm really uh anxious for this weekend, Colby versus Williams. That's gonna tell me a lot. It's gonna on both sides. Because I'm anxious to see how Colby looks kinda on a on a when they're fighting for their lives. And, and obviously, you know, Williams has struggled, you know, normally in that in that gym, in Chandler gym, like that, that is such a, a, a great environment to play in because they, they bring in the fans and it is such an unbelievable gym. Like that is a huge home court advantage. So for them to lose those games by that amount in Chandler and have battles in Chandler that hasn't happened in years past. So, like, this is kind of like something. I'm with you, Bob. Something to me seems yeah, but off. One thing. You're talking about a game a month ago. They just True. wiped the floor with Trinity 62-47 at home. So, I get what you're saying. They almost lost a new pulse at home. And that's <laughs> February 7th. No, but I, I get what you're saying. I just think that might be a little heavy lean on a two-game mm-hmm. stretch a month ago. Sure that. I'm not not that I'm not apprehensive. I actually moved them up this time, but I didn't move them up as far as maybe many would expect. They're mm-hmm. still uh, 14 for me. They've been below that for much. It's just that they're winning. When I didn't think after that two game stretch, I thought they were going to stumble all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. And you know, another matchup, college that... game. <laughs> another example of a matchup. I think that like Case Western Reserve is a perimeter-oriented team, yep. mm-hmm. but they they punch you in the mouth. Mm-hmm. That team has a bunch of dudes that come right in your face. Yeah. They get to the basket. Everything they do for a perimeter team, they are crazy physical. 
I would love to see Case play Williams. I think that's the kind of game where uh, if Case is going to deliver the the punch, and how does Williams take it? Maybe they take it fine, but matchups. Pretty, it's pretty fascinating stuff. I want to figure out the mileage on that. Anybody know <laughs> if we can get Case and Williams together? Hey, this this year, I mean, I mean you could I'm end up in, in a sectional weekend where where they're together. You know, the, now that Case is Case moved up, man. I I think you could argue they're a number one seed all of a sudden and build a bracket like a Case Wheaton Oshkosh Wash U kind of thing where Case is. It's possible. Who knows? Yeah. They may be heading more west than east, is what I'm thinking. That's possible. 508 miles. Oh, oh come on. Mm. Flag on the ply yeah. for just spoiling our fun. Yeah. Not on you, Matt. On the mileage. <laughs> just not fair. Uh, Jets. Gotta be a more direct route. <laughs> right. Yeah. Can we cut across the lake? Yeah. yeah. Um, gents, always appreciative of the information and the chat. I asked the guys this, kind of, what are you looking forward to in this last week? What should we get ready for? We'll have uh, Bob and, and Matt on next Sunday. Mike, with his ideas about Hobart's been kicked to the curb. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to ride that as long as I can. I, I, this, we're, you're giving Coach Thompson over there so much bulletin board have, material. I'm feel free. You, it's going to be great. Go right they're, ahead. They're going to make a deep run, and I'm going to be so happy. Then they can donate to the cause. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's also true. There you go. I will use it to my advantage. Rainiac, we'll start with you. Thoughts as we close out the uh, last week of the season. Yeah, I, I, I think, like, just now is, is what it's all about. Like, the conference tournaments are where it's going to really start to shake things up. This is where... When you're in it, you're fighting. Obviously, if you're out, you're stressing. Like because, like as start to the bit thieves start to happen. Um, I remember being on buses, you know, tracking on D three hoops, like who's winning and who's not, and like losing your mind. Um, I, I think this is where a lot of it is going to be. Um, obviously, told and telling. You know, which teams are pe- peaking, which teams are in a funk, and which teams uh, uh, are going to be the ones to watch. Hopefully we get start to get some clarity um, of who the alpha in division three is. Cause I still, I'm still waiting for it. I know I vote number one, I vote number two and three. I don't have an alpha. I really don't. Like, like I said, I got two groups. I got a group of 12 and then a group of uh, about 40 others. Um, and it's been uh, a very unique year in those regards. So I'm really looking forward to a lot of the conference tournaments this weekend and see how they're shaking out. Um, you know, going to put it on the big screen. Obviously, the the back to back days of, of hoops is, is going to be awesome. And you know, Sunday, hopefully, we have some clarity about kind of what's what's going to be transpiring. Maybe who knows? Like I've been surprised before. Who would have ever planned for a pandemic? So we're all looking forward to it. Uh, Matt, we'll go to you next. I can't believe we're already at conference tournament week of the year. It's crazy that we're here. Um, yeah. It's the best week of the year. It's the worst week of the year. You're on the bubble. You're trying to get that play. Uh, but it's really fun. There's fun games every night. Uh, so these are the weeks to tune into Hoops Bill, see what's going on. Uh, you know, hashtag D3Hoops on Twitter. Chat about the game. See where your team is, who's in, who's out. Love this time of year. Um, I'm just looking forward to what's going to be a, probably a crazy championship weekend here and then the start of the tournament yeah. after we get brackets next week. Bob, your thoughts? Three takeaways. 
bacon night at Trine is a big deal. Just don't invite poppers. <laughs> Flavored toothpicks are legit. Ask Graniac. He's got an endorsement deal on those things, and he's going to make a ton of money. And three, it's conference tournament week. It's like the best stretch of the year. Every night, figure out which games you're going to watch. Every single night, there are cool games on. Figure out like who your team needs to win and lose. And I will promise you, you're going to have your heart broken more than once as the week plays out if you're sitting in that bubble. Because you're going to pull up these streams and some random kid that you've never heard of from Heidelberg is going to break your heart. It's just so like true. that's the kind of thing that happens, and it's beautiful. So true. So just sit back and enjoy it. It's kind of like the guy who won the slam dunk contest for the NBA. Who? Who just just yeah? Hey, uh, by the way, before I let you go, I had that one question. We waited for an hour. I can't believe we went that long. But Peyton wants to know if Emory beats Rochester Saturday, what are there? We're talking about Rochester chances, or what needs to go their way to make it to the field. I think if Rochester loses, they're probably out. I, I... Yeah, there's going to be a big debate on that, but I think, uh, Matt, 640 if Rochester loses, right? They're 640, Correct. and Emory would be Correct. 640. Either way, someone's going to be 640, maybe? I think the loser is 640, yep. So I think, for me, you got to draw a line at winning percentage at some point here. And yeah, I, I went back five seasons yep. of Pool C, and five seasons, there's only been one that I, I think there's been one under six, like 60 or so. 670? That was the 630 that was was Oshkosh, Oshkosh way back. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been, that was five years ago. There hasn't been one since. It, I, Nor one I, before. <laughs> I don't think 640 is good enough. I, I just, I look at the bubble and there are, there are decent resumes that are going to be on the bubble. You know, like to me, I'd rather take Redlands. I'm just using an example where you've got like a pretty good winning percentage, a pretty good SOS, and some really good wins, like St. Thomas and whoever else they have. I don't think you can take 640. So I think Emory wins, they're in. I think Rochester wins, they're in. The loser is out. Agreed. Out. Agreed. I, I just, I just think it's, it's a winner go home for, for both of them, and I think that's going to be an absolute slugfest. Which is going to be kind of interesting, you know, like really if Rochester was at full strength all year, we probably would have been having a different conversation about Rochester. Yep. I think this committee with that strength of schedule and all those RROs, I think they get Rochester in at 640. You think so? I think they do. That's that's what I've seen from them at the the top 16, how they love the RROs at the regional rankings, how they love the RROs. Except that they've also preached Mendoza lines. I think they they've been preaching Mendoza lines. If they're preaching Mendoza lines and then ignore one or argue that that's not the Mendoza line. It just seems when push comes to shove, six forty win loss. I, I think yeah, just, that, at some point you need to win more than two-thirds of your games. I'm just taking I think arbitrary. You, gotta, you have to, right? Like, you have to. I think that's where the you gotta go, you gotta go you gotta you can't just be ROOs and, and like all those letters that I don't understand. You got to go to win loss. No, like I it's, it's, like, it's, I've it's got what Rochester in right now. Like as we speak, I do like a like a real time thing, and I have Rochester in currently mm-hmm. at six sixty seven, six thirty two and nine. To me, well, I, I have them like sevens on that line. Exactly. That, that's mm-hmm. like right now. Right. If they didn't play another game. 
to me, they'd be in actually pretty easily, maybe like spot 11 or 12. But when you go from 6'6", six, 6'7", six, to 6'40", mm-hmm. to me, you just got to say, look, look, guys, you haven't won enough games here. That's yeah. how I And you take it. another loss in the result uh, ranks, right? If assuming Emory's still in the regionally ranked. And another home loss. So, like, they lost at home to Wash U. They lost at home to NYU. If they lose at home to... I know none of this is in the criteria, but I'm just talking about like no, but, results. You know, we, yeah. the, the word results, we get to use that widely. I mean, you had a lot of chances here. So well, I think they're going to gonna the, be, I think they're going to win that game, but I think Rochester will beat Emory. But if they lose, I, I don't think anyone can be upset if they're out. The final comments, I, I just don't think teams. we've seen. Go ahead. Um, we, we've seen in like the region, is it region eight rankings? We haven't really seen a, a Mendoza line on winning percentage there with a team like Marion that's been in ahead of a team like, um, was it North Central that maybe could have been in the last week? But Mar- North Central um, I, was twelve I, I think, and eleven. I think for, I, I, I could have that. I could have that wrong, or maybe State. Oh Norbert, no, there was absolutely like that. I think, a Mendoza line there. I think whenever they've had a chance to take a strength of schedule over a team that has a higher winning percentage and a lower strength of schedule, it just seems to me they've always, almost always. Marion got put the, in those rankings because they couldn't this. put a twelve and eleven team in the rankings. And they beat Oshkosh. Right, that that's, an R- that's an RRO. There's, that's and an RRO. Right, but so, as much as I hate Rochester to say it, has the, both. the bottom of Region Eight is is bad. Like I can't believe I just said that. Don't record that <laughs> and tweet this at me every year. The bottom, the bottom of Region Eight is unrankable. Show. So you got to pick somebody. Like you got to pick St. Norbert or Marion or somebody. Because and you I can't, think they have a win over St. Norbert too. They do right. So Marion got in the same way Wisconsin Lutheran. So. The, but Carlton was ranked ahead of of Lacrosse. Matt, remember they they took a winning percentage over RROs with Carl. Now I think it's going to be flipped tomorrow. Yeah, so you're going to probably tweet that. Well, too, the women weren't looking, or the women were looking at where they were ranked, or at least some of them. And the men, they didn't look yeah. at where they were being ranked. I think that's a significant that's, other development there. But you know, the quote on the Rochester one was, you know, tough. To lose, you know, tough to be left out with all those close losses. The key there is losses. At yeah. some point, you gotta win one of those. You gotta win two of those. And this is well, a and every team game that gets left win. out. Every team that's gonna get left out is gonna have a game or two where they probably lost by single digits, less than five points of possession or two. That if they had won that game, then they would have been into. If so, we're gonna count Bob, close losses, I got I got eight losses in the last minute. So like if. <laughs> If those are counting, I'm going to throw those on the table. Let's go. I'll go back to Hobart. Hobart's lost a ton of games because of like one or two, one or two points. Like, and then we're talking, but they still lost. Like at the end of the day, losses are losses. I think the the committee has got to, like you say, it's got to be Mendoza line. You got to, you can't. Not everybody gets a trophy. Like we know Rochester's good, and unfortunately, Algier got hurt and he wasn't the same. So, like, it is what it is, and, like, they yeah. still lost. It, you know, I think they – bottom – like, as a coach, you want to have this situation where literally, all right, we control our destiny. We have no excuse. We got to win, and, and we're in. If we don't, then, hey, I'll, I'll see you I'll see you in the spring at our banquet. That is, yeah. it is what it is. And, and so, like, right now, like, I think LaCurzy's getting them all pumped up. I know Emery is is kind of hooving and hollering. You know, gonna it's going to be a great game regardless. Um, 
I, I think I think Rochester pulls this one out too. By the way, I do. I think Ooh. Rochester pulls it out. I don't know. Close by one point. All right, guys. I appreciate all of your insight. Looking forward to talking to you guys in the week and weeks ahead. Enjoy it. Talk soon. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, everybody. Be well. Bob Quillman, Mike Raniak, and Matt Snyder joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Sorry for the technical difficulties with all that, folks. Went way longer than I expected. I am going to take a quick break so we can reset things and wrap up the show. You're listening to Hoopsville. Presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're at D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To to stop stop sexual sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back, everybody. As we wrap up the show, a quick look at our Give Butter campaign. This is part of the campaign for the fundraising. If you donate through Give Butter, which is that QR code, if you're watching the show, the big one on the bottom of the screen or the small one in the corner of the screen, we've hit 2000 for that effort. Our grand total is 3108 Sorry, quick little change there. I didn't mean to, but... So congrats. thank you, everybody. John Krikorian has said that the goal should have been higher, so I raised it, as he instructed, <laughs> to $10,000. And we are, uh, what, almost a third of the way there. So 
he has challenged everybody to raise $50 or donate $50. You don't have to. Obviously, some people have donated $25, and that is perfectly kind. And uh, But the goal is there, and so we appreciate all of you who have donated. Thanks to all our guests tonight. We'll get to that list in a minute. But a quick bit of business uh, as we wrap things up here. First and foremost, there is winter weather to talk about, believe it or not, and it's certainly making its attention on Twitter. There is a monster um, storm expected in Minnesota, and I think even into Wisconsin. I'm just looking at a National Weather Service for the Twin Cities that was tweeted out a short time ago. They're expecting up to two feet in many areas of the Twin Cities. And as Pat Coleman tweeted out a moment ago, the MIAC has already adjusted the scheduling for the conference tournament. They'll be playing earlier on Tuesday and moving everything else a day back. This storm is expected to hit, uh, sorry, I forgot to look at the dates, between early Tuesday and late or um, somewhat late Thursday. So again, they're playing games earlier on Tuesday now in the Mayak tournament, and we'll move everything else back to th- uh, a day. I think they're moving it to Friday, if, if memory serves, in the tournament. Uh, they're not going to be the only ones that move things. We'll have to keep an eye on that and how that affects conference tournaments and such. Ultimately, conference tournaments do have to be over by Sunday. And so if an AQ, and we've found this in other locations, if an AQ cannot be decided by then, the, school, the committee has to submit who that AQ is, and it usually ends up going back to the regular season champion for that um, AQ. Um, we talked a lot about the Farmingdale State Yeshiva match or uh, men's game at the beginning. Several have asked why we won't be releasing the um, statement other than how we stated it on air, because that's the arrangements I made to get a statement from Farmingdale State. Um, I'm Realize that may not be ideal for all of you out there, but sometimes we have to make arrangements to have content. And the content was under the arrangement that we stated it on the broadcast. We have done so. If you would like to go back and watch it, you are more than welcome to do so. Um, I used, as Bob Quillman enjoyed, the terms pissing match. I think that's what we got into. Uh, There's a lot I cannot report that I have learned because it's off the record. Um, but I think both schools have decided to move on from it. And I think they're deciding to move on because it wasn't, there were some things that happened that shouldn't have happened. Some might say maybe there's fault on either side. I, I, I can't judge that now. I don't have it. I still don't have enough bits and details, but at, when this happened, the focus was that Farmingdale state was at fault. Um, And I'm not saying anyone's at fault. What I'm trying to say is there were more pieces. There was more context. There's a lot of other things involved. So um, everybody has moved on from that. There's a possible possibility that if Ducks line up, they will be playing each other on next Saturday in the conference tournament. Same thing will happen again, uh, that the game needs to be played at a later time. And we'll see how the conference handles that. At that time, I thought there was something else in the news, but I am I am drawn up like there are games that have already taken place tonight. By the way, forgot to mention that uh, earlier because we are into conference tournament season. Um, so we've seen some games that have taken place. Whitewater defeated River Falls in men's basketball. Eau Claire defeated uh, Platteville in men's basketball. Uh, so some games are have been conducted. And those results are on d3hoops.com. Make sure to give them a, a check. 
scheduling updates. Remember, Saturday, uh, Thursday will be on the air at 7 o'clock. We already have some guests lined up. It'll be nothing but teams who have either clinched, bubble, trying to fight their way in, something along those lines. Um, it should be a great conversation like we had tonight of the dynamics at play for a lot of those teams and what's going on. Um, when it comes to next Sunday, we'll be on the air about 6 p.m. We'll finalize that and let you all know. That is our mock selection show. We'll get our selections done with our committees as the national committees do it, though, with not all the data. So we have a pretty good track record here. On average, we miss one a year. And and that's pretty impressive considering you're getting down to nuts and bolts at that point. That will be Sunday. We will start with the women's and move to the men's. We will hear from both committee chairs on that show. Then Monday will be the bracket show after the NCAA brackets have been released. Reminder, men's brackets will be released on the 27th at 1 p.m. Eastern on NCAA.com. Hope you enjoy the studio. You'll be looking at it. Um, And then the women will be at 3 p.m. We will be at 7 p.m. We will hear from the committee chairs on that show as well, among other people, um, if at all possible. We'll also get those who can react to everything that took place. I want to thank our guests who came on the show today. From Catholic, Aaron Kelly. From Christopher Newport. um, John Krikorian. From Ithaca, Dan Raymond. And of course the guys from the Double Takes. Riley Zayas and Scott Peterson on the women's side. Bob Quillman, Matt Snyder, and Mike Raniak on the the men's side. The other guys are on the women's. I'm not really sure what I said. My brain has checked out a while ago. I am exhausted from a very busy weekend. I also want to thank all the SIDs. uh, Jeff at Catholic, uh, uh, Francis and, and, and Bob. Bob, Rob, and Christopher Newport. You can tell I'm done. Uh, at Ithaca, I want to thank uh, their support as well. Um, I don't want to screw this up. So, uh, Oh, Justin, of course, Justin Lunt. Sorry, sir. Very much thank you. We did have another women's guest lined up. It fell through. It happens. Um, but we'll work to get some great segments on um, next uh, on Thursday's show as well. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, I thought there was something else. Obviously, the fundraiser is ongoing, so please be supportive. We really appreciate it. If you're listening to the podcast, by the way, please give us a a like and a review. Give us a high rating so we can move up the podcasting realm so more and more people can find us. Uh, If you're watching us on demand, thank you very much. Last Thursday's show was tremendous in terms of not only those of you who watched, but the effort. And we once again thank the NCAA committees for allowing us to release the top 16s. We certainly appreciated it. We thought it was a success. We hope you thought it was a success as well. And with that, I think we can safely wrap things up. I appreciate all of you who appreciate the coverage. Bob Quillman had some nice tweets tonight as well regarding our coverage. Appreciate his time and his uh, his support as well on what we do here on the show, as well as being a guest for that matter. Um, and I think that shall do it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You've been listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks to our partners at D3Hoops.com and Sport Tours International. We'll talk more about them on Thursday's show. As if you want to go to challenge yourself, maybe improve your um, schedule, make sure you sign up for the D3Hoops.com Classic with Sport Tours International. It helps us put together at the South Point Arena in Las Vegas. It's a great event. We would love to have some of the best in the country coming out there to challenge themselves against some other 
of the best. Or if you're if you're not there yet, but you want to put yourself out there and challenge yourself, you think you've got a program that's about to make waves, you should be at South Point as well. We'll give you a good match, and we'll treat you right as well. Sport Tours International, contact us. We'll get you in touch with them and get you to Vegas as well. Um, also, thanks to the Women's Basketball Coaches Association and the National Association of Basketball Coaches for their tremendous support of our program. And thanks to all of you who so far raised $3,000 towards our real goal of $10,000. Thank you very much for the support. And with that, we sign off. We'll see you back here on Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern for more Hoopsville. Because if you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. Have a great night, everybody, and we'll see you on Thursday. Enjoy the best week of the regular season.